What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and this is episode 83. On this episode, we will be talking about week 12 of the 2021 Colorado football season. We're going to be recapping all the playoff games and predicting all the playoff games for the next round as we go and then per usual we'll have our player of the week awards to hand out at the end of this episode and then real quick just wanted to say make sure you check out episode 82 we have brought back our top five seniors list series that's where we basically go and rank the top five seniors in colorado at every single position last week episode 82 was inside linebackers so go ahead and check that out we'll be coming out with another one uh on friday i believe it'll be tight ends so be on the lookout for that but without further ado let's go ahead and hop into it uh we're gonna actually start on the 5a level and then work our way down each level here so we're gonna go ahead and get started and talk about valor christian versus fort collins uh we all picked valor christian on the last episode to win this game and that's what they did they won pretty convincingly 52 to 2 um i think there are a couple things that were really interesting about this game number one gavin sawchuk only five carries for 30 rushing yards no doubt they're probably uh trying to keep him healthy going into this next round here so they gave him a little bit of a break but his younger brother, sophomore running back Gabe Sawchuk, would actually have 13 carries, 93 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns, leading uh, the pack here, at least rushing-wise. But I would have to say, it was their starting quarterback, Colton Allen, who really took over this game. And you know what? I want to make sure I give the Valor Christian coaching staff and Colton Allen some credit. At the beginning of the year, we were very unsure about their passing game. We weren't sure if they could pass it. Obviously, as the season went on, they got better at passing it. And in this game, it showed as Colton Allen, you know, really carried uh, this offense, I would say, in this game here. Obviously, it was against a Fort Collins team, you know, but. Still, though, it's good to see them getting their quarterback involved, getting him out there, and, you know, getting him some good reps, uh, playoff reps or playoff reps regardless. So there you go. But he would go 10 of 12 for 150 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, would also carry the ball four times for 38 rushing yards. And so you best believe Colton Allen is in the running for our Player of the Week award here uh, from Valor Christian. So there you go. Now... On the other side of this thing here, you know, so we have Valor Christian, they beat Fort Collins, they would play the winner of this Columbine versus Arvada West game. And you know what? Our very own Mason Austin was able to make that Thursday night game. Uh, I think it was the only game he was able to make this week. So I'm going to actually go ahead and throw it to him right now. Hey, how's it going, everyone? My name is Mason Austin, and you're listening to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and talk about this Columbine versus Nevada West game. I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into how this game went. So, to start the game, Nevada West got the ball. Uh, first play of the game, number 14, freshman quarterback. Boone's Vigil finds number 11, Ian Lee, for a 45-yard game. Then they hand it off to number 28, 
Cade Russell for another about four yard gain. Then 14 finds 11 for two. They got a block in the back. College brought up a second and 14 or 14 through an incompletion. They called a timeout. But then there was a questionable call to start off this game by this officiating crew. They called a pass interference where I thought Columbine had amazing coverage. Like you, they were for one, the quarterback threw it into double coverage, but for two, went up there and he went for the ball and the other guy hit him if anything anyways 15 yards for that you know number 14 throws a very rough throw but he gets it there this left-handed quarterback finds number 11 for a seven yard gain number 15 gets a two-yard gain bringing up a fourth and one or battle west takes another time out number 14 gets a one-yard gain for a first down on kind of a qb sneak type of thing then number 14 finds number one for a 36-yard touchdown throw. This throw was beautiful. It couldn't have been placed better. He split the defense, looked off the safety. It looked pretty good. Um, you know, and so they scored, bringing it to 7-0 to start the game. Arvada West up. Now, Arvada West really didn't want to kick this ball to either of their guys. Um, to start, they kicked it out of bounds twice in a row. Um... And the, you know, Columbine just took him back a little bit and made him re-kick. Took him back a little bit and made him re-kick. Then they kick it off to number 18, Josh Schneider. And I just want to say this kid took it seriously that they didn't want to kick to him. And they showed him why. He took it all the way from the 20 down to the 5 to bring up first and goal. And he was probably one break away from getting this into the touchdown. Great tackle. But, you know, shortly after, Columbine did what Columbine does. After help from an encroachment call, you know, they brought it halfway, half the distance to the goal. Number 34, Seth Cromwell, finds Pater for the first time in this game, making it 7-7, with like a minute 26 left in the quarter. Arvada West gets the ball back, hands it off to number 82, and I would like to call out a number, but I can't because it was basically this entire defensive line for Columbine right in the face of this um, running back, I guess, and he just got stuffed. Number 14 finds number 11 for a one-yard gain. I do want to say props to, again, Columbine's defense. Uh, one of their linemen came out from the edge. Number 82, I believe, came out from the edge, ran down the screen pass, only let him get a one-yard gain. Um, but then, number 14 rolls out of the pocket, throws it deep, where number 22 of this Columbine squad, Wes Jones, gets his first interception. I believe that's the only interception he got of the day. But, man, it was pretty. He did a beautiful ball-hawking play. He came across the field, jumped right in front of it, picked it, took it back for about four or five yards, but then, you know, he was dropped. Uh, Columbine got the ball back and started doing what they do, and they started handing the ball off. But before they could, number seven did go ahead and drop one of his, uh, like, snaps. Got a one-yard loss. They had two short rushes for, like, one or two yards each. But then... They did a double reverse to number 18, where number three of this Arvada West team did come in and make a beautiful hit, bring fourth and four, where Columbine takes a timeout and does something that a lot of people haven't seen Columbine do. Number seven finds number 46 for a 26-yard touchdown throw. It was a rough pass, but it got there and it got the job done, bringing it up to 14 to seven where this Arvada West took a play or a couple plays out of this Columbine playbook and started running the ball. 
Number 11, 12-yard jet sweep. Number 28, 22-yard run. Number 5, 6-yard gain. Number 28, 7-yard gain. They got a false start call. The number 11 did catch a very poorly thrown ball by number 11, but it was completed for about four yards, which did go ahead and in the first 14-7 Columbine up. Now they threw the screen pass to come out of the you know quarter. Number 11 took it 23 yards, made a beautiful cut, watched out for his blocker number 28, you know, and God, they took it. They took it far. It looked like it was going to go all the way, but. You know, number 22, Wes Jones, who this defense went ahead and made a play again and stuffed him before he could make it to the touchdown. Number 28 popped off a six-yard gain. Then they handed it up the middle. He broke two tackles for a 34-yard touchdown. He is a tough runner. 10-14, or sorry, 10-41 in the second quarter. 14-14. Arvada West just tied the game. Now, Columbine did go ahead and get this ball as a touchback. Ball in the 20. They started grinding the rock. Number 34, 11 yards. Number 34, 11 yards. Number 34, 8 yards. Number 34, 4 yards. Number 31, 7 yards. Number 34, 1 yard. Number 31, 3 yards. Number 31, 2 yards. Number 34, 15. Number 34, 1 yard. Then they called a timeout. They were just eating this clock up. Then they did go ahead and hand it back off to number 31 for 8 yards, bringing up a third and two. For number 34, Seth Cromwell, 8-yard gain to get a first and goal on the 4. And then you finished off this 80-yard drive, number 34, 4-yard touchdown run, bringing them up 21-14 with 4.41 left in the half. They drove from 10-41 to 4.41. That's a 6-minute drive, and it was all running. They didn't pass the ball a single time, and then I don't think this Arvada West had an answer. They could not stop this running attack. Arvada West got the ball back at the 17 and went on the offensive by running with number 28 a total of six times, you know, and it was two, seven, three, six, eight. Now I want to take a second to appreciate a monster block from number 74, uh, Dylan Butler. Um, on this eight yard game, they did kind of like a trap play. I watched him pancake this inside lineman and, you know, this guy... You know, all game he's been doing okay at blocking, you know, block here, block there. But this showed me something. Like, this kid had, had what it takes to knock this defensive line that was in their face a lot. In this QB's face a lot. He just knocked him on his butt. So, congratulations, number 74, on that hit. Arvada West did go ahead and take their final timeout. Where they threw, well, they did like a jet sweep and tried to do a double pass with number 17. Um, this was a very bad pass. Like, very bad pass. Uh, it was almost picked. Number eight of Columbine should have had it, but he dropped it. Um, they got lucky, I guess. Arvada West definitely got lucky on that one. Then uh, after that, number five, ticket for five. Number five, ticket for three. Then it brought up fourth and two. And Arvada West tried to do something kind of tricky. They had their punter come out, you know, punting unit. There was like 27 seconds left on the clock. And they ran it, or I think it was 34 seconds left on the clock. They ran it all the way down to 8.2 because they were acting like, oh, they don't know the play, you know, no one was getting set, all this stuff. Took the, you know, penalty, because they had no timeouts left. 8.2 seconds left out. Brought out the defense for Columbine, because he had to call a timeout, because they brought the offense out in a spread formation. Brought this defense out. Number 14, I don't blame him, you know, he was just taking the shot like he's supposed to take the shot. 
I thought they should have thrown him to the left side. He's a left-handed quarterback. Probably would have been a better pass. Threw it to the right side where they had three guys on there. Picked off. Brought up halftime. Um, I guess it was a good try by the Sarvada West team, but... You know, if you're going to do that, maybe try and go to the strength of your quarterback and go to the left. Nevertheless, number one of this Columbine defense sends it into halftime 21-14 by picking off number 14. Now to start the half, Columbine gets the ball. They hand off to number 31, 14 yards. You know, and then number seven throws an incompletion. Number 34 has a five-yard gain. Number 34 has a five-yard gain. 31, 12 yards. 34, six yards. 31, three, then two, then two, then four. Then number 34 has a six-yard gain. Then they hand off to number two, another six-yard gain. Number 34, six yards. Number 34, four yards. Number 34 gets stuffed by number 88 of this, you know, our Vado West defense. It looks like they're actually going to start doing something. You know, they're bringing it into the red zone. Number seven throws an incompletion. They call a timeout. Number 31 gets a one-yard gain, bringing up fourth and goal on the 10. Um, it's kind of, they when they got stuffed on that play by number 88, it brought them back a little bit. Uh, fourth and goal on the 10. They kick a field goal, 24-14. A-West returns the ball to the 15 on a beautiful kick. I don't know why he caught it. He should have just let it bounce into the end zone, but that's besides the point. Arvada West's drive did go ahead and stall out. They punted it back to Columbine. Um, Columbine, number 31, three rushes in a row, three, two, four. And, you know, then that would go ahead and end the third, 24-14. Number 34 did go ahead and go for four. Then number 31 for eight. Number 34 for six, number 31 for six, number 34 for four, number 31 for four, number 31 for six, number 34 back to back for four yard gains, bringing up a third and three. Number 31, five yards on the first down gain. Number 34 uh, had a three yard gain, but then number 31, you know, late in this game in the fourth quarter, 557 left, fumbles the ball, giving Arvada West hope. Uh, number 14. Under throws a screen pass for our Battle West. Then number 14 for number 5 for 7. Then number 14 for number 1, which would have been a perfect first down throw for this uh, slant play. Number 1 drops it. It's a catchable ball. It's in his hands. Let's it just hit his hands and hit the ground. But then our Battle West fumbles the snap on fourth down, just falls on it, giving the ball to Columbine at the 24, first and 10. 34 or 31 sorry goes for four 38 or 34 goes for eight 31 gets stuffed but he still gets one because he falls forwards our battle west timeout then they hand out off to number 34 seth cromo for his third touchdown of the day 15 yards power running 31 14 and that's where i decided that this game was over so i did go ahead and leave but the final score did come out to 38-21. So in the final three minutes of this game, both teams scored again. So kudos to both of you guys. Um, I'm going to call out a couple numbers here. I'm going to start with this Arvada West squad. Number 11, Evan Lee. Number 14, I know he's a freshman and this is his first ever start against a very tough defense in this Columbine Rebel defense. He played pretty well. He has a lot of mechanical stuff he needs to work on, but you know he'll get there. He's still a freshman. Uh, number 14, Vince Vigil, 
Number five, Mason Haggle Pitt. He uh, definitely got it done for this Arvada West squad. They handed it off to him. They threw it to him. But number 28, Cade Russell was probably the top player I saw in the Arvada West squad. He's a senior running back, and man, he is a tough runner. Now let's bring it over to this Columbine Rebel squad. Where number 18, Josh Schneider, you know, he got a couple receptions from number 7, Brock Zaintel. I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. Um, they did go ahead and get a couple receptions. Number 22, the safety, Wes Jones, getting it done on this Columbine defense. He was all over the field. He had a pick. He had multiple tackles, like, where he was at the line in, like, 0.2 seconds. Number 31, Tyrese Hayes, trusty. Man, they trust this guy with the ball in his hands. They handed it off to him almost as much as they handed it off to the next guy, I'm going to say. But, you know, nevertheless, he, he got the ball and he got the rock in his hands a lot. And he did it effectively right between the tackles, just like Columbine likes. But number 34, Seth Cromwell. Three touchdowns on the day. Probably around 30-some-odd carries. Um, he gets my player of the game. And congratulations to this Columbine Rebel Squad for moving on. Arvada West, great season. And uh, good luck next year. And boom, there you go. Columbine does beat Arvada West 38-21. Uh, once again, I'm going to just go over these stats one more time. Seth Cromwell on 30 carries had 146 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns in the conversation for Player of the Week. Uh, Tyree Hayes, trustee, 20 carries, 101 rushing yards as well. And then Brock Zanatel, Emilio Duran, Wesley Jones, Payne, or Payton Wainwright, my bad, Payton Wainwright, all had interceptions uh, for this Columbine team. And then Rocky Shields, the junior lineman, also got a sack. So there you go. It will be Valor Christian versus Columbine. I believe Columbine will be the home team. I want to say and so let's go ahead and hop into predictions here the last time Columbine played Valor Christian uh, it was the closest game that Valor won by all year and Valor is undefeated right now but this was the closest game that Valor uh, played in all year I believe they won by 14 something like 35 to 21 or something like that uh, so for Columbine to win this playoff game, in my opinion, they need to play brutally tough defense and force Valor to pass efficiently. They don't win this game by allowing long touchdown runs. That's just facts. Uh, if possible, they also need to score off of all turnovers. So if they have a pick, if they have a fumble, you have to score. If you do not score, that is a failed opportunity against a very talented Valor team that, you know, has found different ways to beat you now valor um obviously is the favorite here they're the more dominant team i would say uh, to win this matchup and to win state altogether i have them winning state at least and honestly this is something that's really caught my eye but the development of senior quarterback colton allen throughout this season and obviously in the off season has been really impressive you know i said this before huge props to their coaching staff because they've really gotten their quarterback involved and got him playoff slash championship ready he looks comfortable out there the last couple games he's been really doing a good job um really the last like month and a half he's been doing a really good Good job here and so you know just because you force valor to pass the ball 
doesn't exactly mean that you have, I guess, like, uh, that much better of a chance of beating Valor. Because they have a quarterback in Colton Allen who can tear apart defenses. He's an efficient quarterback, and he's shown that throughout the year. And so with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pick Valor Christian. If it comes down to it, I trust Colton Allen to win Valor this game on a game-winning drive. That's how much I trust him. Obviously, you know, you have the Sawchuck brothers, Gabe and Gavin. Uh, you could put it in their hands as well. But if they are keying in on them, I trust Colton Allen to take over this game like the veteran quarterback he is and make it happen you know and so in my opinion that pass game is what gives valor a significant edge here for columbine i know they can't really pass the ball like that they just can't so there you go i'm gonna go ahead and pick valor um like last time we have mason and cody's picks here i told them to write down a reason if any uh for why they're why they believe the team they pick is gonna win and so i'm gonna start with mason mason picks valor christian he says valor has the athletes to stop this columbine rushing attack and columbine won't be able to pass because they don't have that in their playbook dang all right well there you go and then cody he will go ahead and make a 3-0 valor we're all picking valor here against columbine he said last time these two teams played it didn't feel close despite the scoreboard and so he's gonna go ahead and pick valor christian to defeat columbine in the rematch this year and move on to the next round of these 5a playoffs Moving on here, let me go ahead and talk about Grandview versus Mullen. Grandview would actually take care of Mullen pretty easily here, 42-21. to 21. A lot of that is because of the three interceptions they did um, get off of Mullen and their squad here. And you know what? Grandview decided to go ahead and take over this game early. At halftime, it was 28-7. to 7. And you know, a lot of those touchdowns were off of Liam Zarka touchdowns, I would say, and Musa Al-Safar. I believe their sophomore quarterback, Zarka, um, threw one touchdown and then rushed another one. So there you go, that's 14. And then Musa um, Al-Safar, he had an 8-yard rushing touchdown, so that's one. And then uh, number 4, Chase Dahir, I want to say, had a 17-yard rushing touchdown. Making it 28-7, to you know, and this lead would only build in the third quarter with around 10 minutes left. Zarka would throw to his boy, number two, Tristan Burris, for a 74-yard touchdown pass. Wow. And plus a PAT who would go ahead and make this 35-7 to going into the fourth quarter. And if, in case, you know, this game wasn't already put away, uh, Musa Safar uh, would go ahead and get a 34-yard Rushing touchdown with 10 minutes left, making it 42-7 to after the PAT. This game was over. Mullen would score some, uh, you know, two touchdowns here in the fourth to make it look a little bit closer. But this game was over as Grandview dominates their way into the next round of the playoffs here. And you know what? Grandview will be playing the winner of this next game. I'm going to talk about Ralston Valley versus Cherokee Trail. And you know what? This game was not close. I did pick Cherokee Trail. I did feel like, you know, maybe if they could get up early, like have a lead early, 
then maybe they would be able to beat this Ralston Valley team. But unfortunately, you know, they just had a very slow start. And, you know, Cherokee Trail quarterback Logan Brook, he did throw three touchdowns. I don't think he threw any interceptions, but it was all too late at this point. You know, Ralston Valley had a pretty significant lead after the first uh, quarter and then going into the second quarter, obviously. And so there you go. Ralston Valley takes care of Cherokee Trail 42 to 20. Um, a little creepy here. Their score is very similar to the score of that Grandview versus Mullen game, literally only one point off. And so, in this next round here, we actually have Grandview versus Ralston Valley. And so, let me go ahead and hop into predictions here. I will go ahead and get this started. And you know what? I'm picking against Ralston Valley. Grandview only lost to them 24 to 13 earlier in the season. And I don't doubt they want revenge. They definitely want revenge here. Grandview can make a legitimate title run here. Uh, with the skill players they have, with the defense they have, they have a good quarterback, you know. They can make a nice run here. And honestly, just like Cherokee Trail, I think if they get up early and force Ralston Valley to pass, there's no way they can beat Grandview. None. You know, um, especially against this Grandview secondary. You got Malik Singleton, Caden Rulo, all them boys there. They're going to lock up. And so if Grandview gets up early, like 14 to 0 early, then I think that might be a wrap on Ralston Valley, to be completely honest here. And you know what? That's just what happens when you have an offense that can't really pass the ball. And when they have tried to pass the ball, they've struggled pretty noticeably throughout this year. And so, you know, if. Grandview wants to force Ralston Valley to pass the ball. They need to get going on offense early on. So I'm looking at Musa Al-Safar, Liam Zarka, and the gang to get this Grandview offense in a good position and a dominant position at that early on in this game. So I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, honestly, the offense cannot make bad mistakes. Uh, sorry, Grandview's offense can't make bad mistakes. So that's the other uh, part of this dub here, potential dub here. And so they will need to take what the defense gives them and allow their playmakers to outperform Ralston Valley on the offensive side of the ball. And then they will also need to, you know, play good defense against this team. Wrap up. That's the biggest thing. Wrap up, come down in the box, you know, um, love to hit. You gotta love to hit in this kind of game. And so I'm gonna go ahead and pick Grandview to go and beat Ralston Valley here. Cody is picking Grandview. He declined to put down anything for that um, for that prediction. And then Mason is also gonna pick Grandview against Ralston Valley. He says Grandview has a tough defense and their offense can move the ball. It will be close, but they will win. So 3-0, once again, all of us picking Grandview against Ralston Valley. All right, moving on to the next game. We have Cherry Creek versus Mountain Vista. This was not a close game. Cherry Creek went ahead and blanketed them, actually, uh, not allowing any points. And they would go on and win 34-0. No stats are up or any uh, score trackers or anything like that. So I'm just going to leave it there for now. Um, I'm going to talk about Cherry Creek a little bit more here when we get into predictions here. But you know what, let me go ahead and talk about the game that would decide who would play Cherry Creek in the next round. And that is Regis Jesuit 
versus Pomona. This was a pretty close one. You know, uh, Regis only beat Pomona 28 to 21. And you know what? Regis, they survived a close one, but they were up 28 to 14 at one point in the fourth quarter. Um, but at this point, the game was basically put away. There was maybe like eight or seven minutes left. Pomona would score one more touchdown, but you know, Regis would get the ball back and would be able to run out this clock. I'm going to talk about some guys who contributed really well for Regis here. And that starts with their uh, quarterback, Xander Carroll. He won eight of 17 for 74 passing yards, but he carried the ball 24 times for 136 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. The running back, Xavier Carroll, he also had only nine carries for 94 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. And then senior Dallas uh, Macias, I want to say, for this Regis Jesuit squad, also had 18 total tackles against a very run-heavy tough Pomona team and so just like that Pomona season is over you know shout out to all the playmakers over there Dom Nichols uh Chase Muller uh Dion Mays all them boys you know the quarterback as well you know they've, they've been rocking for us for a while and you know what unfortunately they lose a very close one against a very tough uh at least defensively tough Regis Jesuit team 28 to 21, Regis Jesuit will play Cherry Creek in the next round of the playoffs. And you know what? Just like that, I am going to talk about the next round of the playoffs for Cherry Creek and Regis Jesuit here. Uh, you know what? I'm going to rock with Cherry Creek as predicted. Earlier in the season, they beat down Regis pretty badly, 34 to 14. And then they beat uh, the opponent that Regis beat, Pomona. Uh, granted, it was without Dom Nichols, but they still beat them 31 to zero. Now, this Cherry Creek defense, I gotta give them credit because I feel like we just haven't given them enough credit this year, and so I'm gonna give them a bunch of praise here uh, because this defense has held teams under 20 points pretty much every week since their game against Arvada West on September 17th. It is, well, at the time I'm recording this, it is November 15th, and so it's almost been two months since a team has scored um, over 20 points on them. And you know what? That game against Arvada West was the only game this season they let a team score over 20. They still won that one 52 to 21, grant you. But other than that, every game they've played this season, you know what? They've, um, you know, they've held teams under 20. And most of the time, when they've held teams under 20, which happened a lot, they won. The only games where Cherry Creek has lost has been when their offense failed to score over 10 points, which doesn't sound like a lot, and it's really not. You know, they've had some struggles offensively throughout the year here. I'm not even going to lie. Um, and by the way, in those two games where the offense didn't score over 10 points, that was against Chandler and Arapaho. Chandler obviously being one of the top-ranked, like, teams in the country they're like top 20 in the country and then arapaho having a pretty great defense over there led by jackson adams jared ramos exodus johnson you know all of them boys over there and so you know those are two elite defenses i would say um but other than that you know I trust Cherry Creek to go ahead and win this game. If not for their offense, then for their defense. Their defense has been very good this season. If they hold this team under 20 points, which I think they can, this Regis Jesuit team, they have some playmakers on offense, but they're not 
I, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of like, like a lot of faith in them to perform consistently, I would say. And so that's partially why I'm picking Cherry Creek. But I am going to say here, the offense needs to keep it rolling here. They put 31 on Mountain Vista. Now that, that, now that is a young team, but they need to keep that going here. If the offense can roll, and I mean roll, against a tough Regis Jesuit team, especially late in this season, that would be a very good indicator moving forward. Because honestly, you know, the only reason I didn't pick Cherry Creek to win state, despite picking them in the preseason, is because their offense has looked a little suspect at times, you know. Um, losing games where you aren't scoring over 10 points, that's a little bit of a red flag. That's not a lot of points. That's like a touchdown and a field goal. And you know what? Cherry Creek is better than that. They need to get going here on offense. Defensively, I think they're going to be okay. More than okay. They'll they'll be elite. You know, they'll, they'll, they're always elite. So they'll be elite here. But offensively, um, at least what everyone here on the podcast is looking for, we want them to get rolling here. You know, build a little bit more confidence and whatnot against some of these quality defenses in the state. Because I'm sure the day will come where, you know, this Cherry Creek offense, they're going to be in a position to win a game, and they will need to score to win that game. And so, just going to keep an eye on that because they do have Arapahoe on this side of their bracket, and I believe they also have Legend on this side of the bracket as well, and that might be a shootout, potentially. So, we're just going to see about that, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Cherry Creek to win this one off of a great defensive performance here mason will also pick cherry creek to win this one he says i have a feeling it will be close but creek's creek's experience will help them win here so that's why he's picking cherry creek cody did not put any reason under why cherry creek will be regis jesuit but he is picking them as well for our dang i think it's like our third straight something like that 3-0 pick here prediction pick here so we're all picking cherry creek versus regis jesuit all right moving on though i'm gonna talk about legend versus rock canyon this one you know to rock canyon's credit was a little bit closer than i thought i thought legend would maybe put on a little bit more points flex you know that uh tough offense they have here and whatnot but you know i mean they didn't do a bad job here i would say they still beat rock canyon 28 to 14 a lot of it isn't thanks to Bryce Vaz, the running back for legend. He had 29 carries for 150 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns and this big dub over Rock Canyon. And you know what? Legend will play the winner of this next matchup I'm going to talk about here. And that is Arapahoe versus Thunder Ridge. In this A-Rap versus Thunder Ridge game, you know, Arapahoe was pretty much in control of this game in the third quarter with about you know with about three minutes left thanks to another rushing touchdown that would extend their lead to 16 to 0 once again with three minutes left in the third um thunder ridge you know tried to make a run here they would score a rushing touchdown with two minutes left in the fourth and at that point it was 
23-13. Arapaho would score a rushing touchdown earlier on in the third quarter. And you know what? Actually, Thunder Ridge would get the ball back. But this Arapaho defense would stand strong with two minutes left in the fourth quarter and only allow a field goal and not a touchdown. And you know what? They would get the ball back and run this one out and win a close one against Thunder Ridge 23-16. to now let me go ahead and hop into this legend versus a Arapaho prediction. And you know what? I'm going to stick with my prediction here and pick a legend to beat a rap. You know, Grandview beat Arapaho, you know, a couple weeks ago, 30 to the 13. That is probably one of the most threatening offenses this a rap defense has faced outside of Thunder Ridge. And you know what? Legend, in my opinion, is the number one offense in the state of Colorado. They got a quarterback in Colton Warner. They have a premier running back in Bryce Vaz, uh, arguably the best running back in the state right now. They have a number one receiver in Jackson Rush, another, you know, arguably number one receiver in the state right now. And then they have a second option in Brecken Riser over there as well. And so, you know what? Legend. They may have had a little bit of a down game against Rock Canyon, only winning uh, by 14, 28 to 14. But honestly, if it comes down to it, you know, legend that their offense needs to take the field and potentially win this game on a score against Arapaho. I would trust legend's offense over Arapaho's offense to win that game. But you know, this Arapaho defense, they're good. You know, they really are. They're very good. Probably one of the best, if not the best, in the state of Colorado, man. They have two great edge rushers and a whole host of interior defensive linemen that cause a lot of havoc. You know, for them to beat Legend, they need to shut down Bryce Vaz. He can't have this type of game, this player of the week worthy game where he goes for 150 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. You gotta hold him under, I would say... Under two rushing touchdowns, you could allow one, but if you hold him under two and then allow Colts and Warner to go to work against you, that will be the key to winning here because then that way it allows you to pass rush and do what you do best here, get some pressure on Warner. And then, you know, if this defense could score as well, that'd be big. But, you know, for now, I'm going to go ahead and pick a legend to beat Arapaho here in this round of the playoffs. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and read off Cody's prediction here. He is going to pick a legend as well. He says the Arapaho defense is good enough to win state, which I agree with. But he says, until proven otherwise, I remain very skeptical of this Arapaho offense which is why he's going to pick Legend to beat them. Uh, Mason will go ahead and pick A-Rap here. He says this A-Rap defense is nothing to sleep on. They should be able to take this game into their own hands. Uh, and then in parentheses, he put defense wins championships. I agree, you know, and you know what? If this defense can take over this game, I would not be surprised if they go ahead and beat Legend here. But they need to take over. This needs to be a takeover game. No doubt. There you go. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into 4A here. And talk about Montrose versus Denver South. I picked Denver South to win. I think we all picked Denver South to win this game. But Montrose would make a statement. And beat Denver South 
56 to 19. And you know what? Montrose, they just got up quickly, being up 35 to 0 with less than a minute left in the second quarter. Now, a Denver South rushing touchdown would make it 35 to 6 at half, but this game would basically be over by halftime as they shut down Joseph Capra and his Denver South squad here and go ahead and move on to the next round of the playoffs, uh, winning 56-19 in a dominant performance here. Moving on though, Montrose would play the winner of this Fountain Fort Carson versus Golden football game that I happen to go to. Now, we all picked Golden and then on Friday night, if you checked our Instagram stories, we all apologized. This is the one game that we're going to apologize for. And don't expect this to happen again because we're not going to apologize again. Every, every prediction we make is for a reason. Even this one, you know, but we were definitely off the mark. And uh, you know what? Let me just go ahead and talk about how this game went down here. So to kick off the first quarter here, Fountain Fort Carson would get the ball and they would hand off the ball to their boy the running back number 21 desmond oliver who would go ahead and rip off a beautiful 55 yard run here now he wouldn't score on that 55 yard run but i'm pretty sure he would get them pretty close to the red zone here now blocking the back that happened um i think it was near the end of this run would actually take off a couple yards for Fountain Fort Carson. So they wouldn't be in the red zone quite yet, but they would be knocking on that door. But next play, their other running back slash, you know, star linebacker, Ty Fave. He would go ahead and run the ball and get it to the one yard line. And then the play after that, he would punch in the touchdown himself for a one yard touchdown run, making it seven to zero early on in this game now golden would get the ball and they would start driving you know they would cross the 50 yard line um a lot of it was just like hey we're gonna find our guys short on a lot of hitch routes spread this defense out test these corners that you know everyone has talked about and you know deserve a lot of respect and credit here but unfortunately at the eight minute 12 second mark in the first quarter number 22 Curtis Jackson for Fountain Fort Carson would shut down this pretty solid drive going on with a diving interception. Um, watching this game, I think Jazel Riley thought that his receiver was going to run a hitch route. His receiver definitely didn't run a hitch route. It looked like he was just running deep and whatnot. And so on that miscommunication there, Curtis Jackson would go ahead and make them pay early on and get that interception and uh fountain fort carson would go ahead and get the ball back here in the game now on the second drive here fountain fort carson would look to their guy desmond oliver to continue to carry this offense here early on and so they would find him on a screen pass tavion tuli at quarterback by the way finding his guy desmond oliver on a screen pass that goes for 20 yards but Golden would go ahead and force a punt here at the 7 minute 27 mark here. Um, but, you know, Golden, they would have the ball 
and they would just continue to struggle. You know, Bouncing Fort Carson would actually get um, a sack. I want to say it was on third down by their guy Madrid and force a three and out. Now, I got to give credit to all their corners. Obviously, you have Curtis Jackson here. He made some noise with that first interception. But we, I, well, I was keeping an eye on Jaden Allen and Lawrence Walker as well. Jaden Allen is number seven and then Lawrence Walker is number 23 for this Fountain Fort Carson team. All of these guys play corners here and you know what they locked up. Part of the reason why this Fountain Fort Carson team was able to get so many sacks um, not not just on this drive but throughout the game was because they were truly coverage sacks. You know there was nowhere to go with the ball and you know to Jay O'Reilly's credit he didn't make any bad decisions a bad decision would be trying to force it here and then one of these three stud corners picking you off again over and over again um but you know with that being said there's nowhere to go with it either uh he couldn't run out the pocket and try to make something happen because these corners were sticking like glue um there's one place specifically where i think riley thought he could get his guy on a stop and go and lawrence walker was covering this receiver here um the receiver might have had a step after the stop but walker was all over that you know, it was it was going to be a deep pass, and he goes ahead, and he just closes that gap really fast there. The ball was inaccurate. It wasn't going to be completed. Um, you know, it just wasn't going to be completed even if he wasn't there. But, you know, Walker was step for step with that receiver, and a little bit more. If the ball was accurate, that would have been an easy interception for Walker here. You know, he was blanketing that receiver or whatever receiver he was covering all game long. You know, not allowing any passes, not allowing too much except for those underneath routes. Um, I think early on, you know, there are a lot of those hitch throws that Golden was trying to, you know, uh, throw, kind of get their quarterback in rhythm here. But there's only so many times you can do those kind of throws before you have to start taking shots deep. And when it did come to that, you know, it was Lawrence Walker, Jaden. Allen and Curtis Jackson shutting that down and you know that's what happened right here at the 4 minute 24 second mark a coverage sack uh, would happen uh, you know Madrid he would go ahead and get in there and make it happen by the way but this would force a 3 and out and so moving forward at the 3 minute 49 second mark Fountain Fort Carson running back Desmond Oliver would rip off a nice 22 yard run and then at the 3 minute 5 second mark, Fountain Fort Carson is in a 4th down situation um, on the other side of the field I think. And they decide to go for it and their running back once again Oliver gets it on a halfback dive. He gets those couple yards to move these chains forward. Now later on in this drive it's Tavion Tooley who finds his guy number 15 Herrera for a very beautiful 16 yard touchdown uh throw here i thought the throw was maybe a little bit over here but herrera did a good job of just skying and going ahead and snagging that touchdown in the back of the end zone getting his toes down here making it 14 to 0 here um credit to Thule for finding the open guy here uh, because he was pretty wide open so there you go now we're going into the second quarter here it's only 14-0 Fountain Fort Carson, but this second quarter was when they would I mean this is this is when they would dominate really here. 
Fountain Fort Carson would shut down the next golden drive thanks to these three corners that I talked about earlier just locking up. There is nowhere to go on that drive, um, that golden half, that third drive I want to say. There just wasn't anywhere to go. And so, you know, I think Jay Zorali, he tried to scramble a little bit here and there. They got, you know, a dive for a first down, but that drive was shut down pretty quickly. And Fountain Fort Carson will get the ball back. And you know what? They go to Desmond Oliver one more time. He gets a nice... 30-yard run, but unfortunately, it is called back because of a holding call that was around the 10-minute uh, mark of this game. But it does not matter. At the 8-minute, 35-second mark after a couple of plays, Tavion Tooley, number one, the quarterback for Fountain Fort Carson, would complete a perfect throw. Like, absolutely beautiful throw to his guy, number 12, a 55-yard touchdown throw um number 12 was running a post route he got just behind the safety Tuli delivered it in stride it was a post route and that would go ahead and make this one a 21-0 game here you know fountain fort carson at this point they were leading but i wouldn't say golden was necessarily worried this made them worried here this 55 yard throw a beautiful one by tavion Tuli, probably one of the best throws he's made all season now at the 7 minute 54 second mark Fountain Fort Carson obviously they kick the ball to Golden they have the ball they are driving but it is number 33 Ty Fave who would make the hit of the year and I saw this from a mile away I played linebacker myself so there are times where I see plays developing and I'm like oh this is a perfect time for a huge hit here Golden predictably called a screen pass you know they would block the two corners in front of them but ty would come from his linebacker spot and absolutely just obliterate whatever receiver caught the ball i didn't even see who caught it but he would obliterate him and he would fumble the ball the ball just popped out pretty easily and then it was number 22 uh curtis jackson who would pick up the ball and return it 50 yards for a touchdown, a 50-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown, making it 28-0. And this stadium was rocking at this point. And Fountain Fort Carson basically won the game on that play alone. But this would not end at the 7-minute, 11-second mark. Riley would find his guy, uh, Bryson Torrey, I want to say, for a 40-yard gain. And I, I thought Curtis Jackson, he was matched up with him. I thought he forced a fumble. Like, I thought Torrey caught the ball, and he hit him, and he forced a fumble. But I guess the refs called it a pass breakup. Which, you know, is interesting. I thought it was a fumble. And by the way, Fountain Fort Carson recovered that fumble. But whatever, you know, it goes down as a pass breakup. A very good pass breakup by Curtis Jackson. Making a very nice play here. Preventing that 40-yard gain. That potential 40-yard gain. Now, a couple seconds later here. Uh, number 6, I think it's McClarity on Fountain Fort Carson. Uh, drops an interception. And you know what? This one... Uh, was also an interception that another player was going for. I don't know if it was Jaden Allen or somebody else, but there are definitely two players in the area here. No receivers there. Riley, he was trying to kind of force it up here. And, you know, McClarity, he drops it. But, you know, to his credit, I wouldn't say it's his fault. He was getting hit by his own teammate, who was also going for the ball. Doesn't matter, though. Fountain Fort Carson forces another three and out here and then with six minutes left in 
the second quarter. They go to Desmond Oliver one more time. He has a nice 35-yard run on a direct snap. And then at the 4-minute, 43-second mark, Tavion Tooley, he's in the red zone, goes ahead and punches this one in himself for a 10-yard rushing touchdown, extending this lead 35-0. to And then going on here with 4 minutes left in the second quarter, number six, McClarity on Fountain for Carson drops another interception. Now this time it was definitely his fault. There's nobody in the area. He read it perfectly to his. Um, I'm gonna give him credit. He read this play pretty perfectly here. He was undercutting the receiver on the route here. Riley, this ball kind of got away from him. It was a little bit more outside. McClarity got his hands on it, but he would drop that interception. So there you go. Uh, Golden would continue to drive though. And at two minutes, 37 seconds left in the second quarter, they would be in the red zone after a pretty nice Luke Chevalier run. Um, Chevalier, Chevalier, doesn't matter. Um, well, it does matter, so I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. But he gets a pretty long run here on fourth down. Um, and you know what? This Fountain Fort Carson defense would hold strong in the end zone. I think they tried throwing two times, running one time. They're right up there, like on the 10 or so. Um, they didn't get anything. And then on fourth down, Riley was targeting number six here because he wasn't going to throw at Walker Jackson or Allen. Sorry, Walker Jackson or Jaden Allen here. And so he decides to throw it at number six here, but he locks up, doesn't give the receiver any room in the end zone on this corner route. And you know what? It's incomplete here. Fountain Fort Carson gets the ball back. And then basically they'd go to half and uh, I did stay for the third quarter. You know, I wanted to see if anything would happen. But same thing, you know, uh, Riley, he just had nowhere to go with the ball. Wasn't making bad decisions. This defense was just playing extremely well. Just playing man, basically. Curtis Jackson, Lawrence Walker, Jaden Allen, not allowing any room. And then when they would run the ball, it was their linebacker, Ty Fave, who would come up and just blow it up either for a loss or at the line or something like that, you know? And so this defense was balling. They played like a championship defense, like the best defense in Colorado on that night, last Friday night here. Um, they wouldn't allow any points here in the fourth. I left by like the end of the third quarter here, um, or at the end of the third quarter. But in the fourth, they would score a rushing touchdown. I think it was, it says in the box score that it was Curtis Jackson who got the carry and would score a rushing touchdown. So good for him, but... Fountain Fort Carson locks up Golden 41-0 in a statement win here. I gotta give credit to this team, man. We all gave credit to this team. Uh, when we picked against them, you know, they didn't talk. They didn't DM us or do anything stupid like that. You know, we've had plenty of, you know, players and whatever, parents especially, that's you know, I would say annoying, uh, DM us and be like, oh, why are you picking against my son? Or uh, why are you picking against us and whatnot? You know, we have our reasons. It's not personal. It's football. A lot of these Fountain Fort Carson kids, you know, they heard that and they didn't say nothing. They talked with their pads. 
you know what? They talked with their pads, they talked with their hands, and they locked up one of the best offenses in the state. This Golden team was the same team that pushed Dakota Ridge, and I want to say Chatfield as well, a couple of straight weeks here at the end of the season a couple weeks ago. And so... It's not like this Golden offense sucks or is overrated. You know, Dakota Ridge had some problems. Um, I know Chatfield had some problems, and they're not bad defenses. They have skilled guys. Fountain Fort Carson just shows they have better skill players, especially at corner. You have three guys here. Once again, Curtis Jackson, Lawrence Walker, Jaden Allen, who collectively did not give Golden any room to breathe here. Um, Receiver-wise, you know, they were on those receivers. They did not give them any room, and there's nowhere to go. If, G if Giselle Riley tried to, like, force a pass to one of those three corners, to one of the receivers that those three corners were covering, it would have been an interception, guaranteed. And so he was trying to target other guys here, like McClarity, like Ty, you know. Obviously, they're not bad defensive players either, so they're not going to give up too much. But it would be better than throwing to one of those three and risking an interception, a pick six, because it would have happened, you know, if they got their hands on them. They're fantastic athletes. So big credit to those three corners. If I could give them player of the week, like all three of them for the 4A level, I would. I could only give one. For now, those three are all in contention here. Ties in contention here as well. That defense played excellent. They probably played their best game all season so i have to give this fountain for carson team credit they didn't complain to our faces at least you know when we didn't pick them but they made sure that we heard them with this big statement win and you know what we did they deserve this dub and they deserve to play in this next round of the playoffs here the lastly before i move on i just want to go ahead and shout out this Fountain Fort Carson uh, defensive line and offensive line. Obviously, defense, um, they were given a lot of time by that secondary. No doubt about that. But you still have to make plays, and that's what they did. They made plays. Offensively, I want to make sure I give credit to this offensive line here. I'm going to try to say all of their names here. I tried to find most of them um, here, but they did a great job just opening up holes for Desmond Oliver, Tavion Tooley. Ty Fave, great pass blocking as well. Okay, gotta give them credit there. They did a good job. You know, they absolutely did a good job here. And so I'm gonna go ahead and shout them out here, starting with Lincoln Fa'apuli. Hopefully I said that right. Hopefully I said that right. So if I don't correct me, don't just let me say your names wrong. But Lincoln Fa'apuli Jr., um, big dude, 6'5, 300 pounds. You know, one of their tackles, I wanna say, only class of 24 which is really interesting there. And then guard Peyton Mangum, sorry, center slash guard Isaac Wright, their other guard Torres, and then uh, one of their other offensive linemen slash defensive linemen, Eric Tapasso. Hopefully I'm saying that name right. I believe that is his name, but you know, this offensive line was dominant. Uh, all game long, you know, they're bullying straight up this golden squad and opening up a lot of lanes to run through. Retired Peyton Manning would have had a good time running through a lot of those lanes. That's how open uh, it was out there for the ball carriers. So there you go. Big shout out to them and big shout out to this Fountain Fort Carson team. They showed 
that, well, we already knew this. They have a strong defense. I called that in the preseason. I said, you know, this is absolutely a dark horse team uh, with this defense alone, you know. Offensively is where the bigger issues slash concerns are. You know, can Tavion Tooley pick up his game and play well, play at the level of a championship quarterback? Can Desmond Oliver continue to do his thing? He really wasn't that big of a concern. I think we all believed that he would be fine, you know, so it was probably more on Tavion Tooley than anybody. But this game, Tavion Tooley had three touchdowns in the first half. And so credit to him. He played a very good game. Next round, he's going to have to continue to play a clean game, a good game to beat this Montrose team. And so let's talk about it right now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start first and I'm going to go ahead and pick Fountain for Carson. On Friday, they proved they have an exceptional defense. Not even exceptional. They proved that they have an elite defense. A defense that you could rely on to score, which is what they might need to do here against Montrose. Really every game from Fountain for Carson to win, I would expect them to score on defense. That's what I said last week. I said if Fountain for Carson beats Golden, they have to score on defense. They just have to, you know, because that's a big, big momentum swing here. And you score on defense by playing elite defense. And between Curtis Jackson, Lawrence Walker, Jaden Allen, Ty Fave, uh, that entire squad on that Fountain for Carson team, you know, they got some dogs who can make that happen if they need to, but they got to do their job here against an absolute juggernaut here in Montrose. Montrose has slaughtered every team they played, you know, against a team that had a very good offense in Denver South, you know, they shut them down, held them to only 19 points, the majority of those points being garbage time points, mind you. And so with that being said, you know, the offense for Fountain Court Carson needs to find something against this Montrose defense that shut down a top five quarterback and his offense last week. Um, they just need to, you know, I think... Montrose knows that they're going to go to Desmond Oliver here. Desmond Oliver's not going to have the same kind of running and open space that he did against Golden here. This Montrose defense is very stout. They're going to hit, and so you got to be ready for that. You know, take the yards that you can get. Don't force anything because the worst thing you could do is to turn over the ball, and then that Montrose offense that runs the ball primarily will have a pretty easy way of scoring with that field position. So you don't want to give that offense field position that Montrose offense field position at all. So offensively, you got to play smart. It's going to take everyone, not just Tavion Tooley, but it's going to take everyone on that offense to play well and to, you know, drive. There's going to be some drives where the defense can't get them perfect field position. That's inside the 50 or on the 50, right? Um, there's going to be some times that, you know, Fountain Fort Carson will have to make multiple, like, 60 to 80 yard touchdown drives. That's just reality here. And so they have to find a way to do that. This will be a close game. This will be a hard-hitting physical game. So for both teams, I would get your mind right for that because it's going to be two top defenses against each other. And so I truly believe the defense that could score the most might be the team that wins this game. Both teams shut down a premier quarterback last week. 
You know, I wouldn't say there's a premier quarterback on either of these teams right now. And so what it's going to come down to is can your skill players outperform the other team's skill players? So it'll be interesting. Um, just going to go ahead and throw this out here. No surprises here if Montrose wins. But I'm going to go ahead and rock with Fountain Fort Carson here personally to win this one in a tough, grinded out type of game. Mason will also pick Fountain Fort Carson to win here. He said, both teams showed me they're ready to play last week. But I think defense is everything, and Fountain Fort Carson is the best in 4A for a reason. And I think this will be a one-score game. So there you go. Uh, best defense, by the way, for a reason. So, yeah. And then Cody um, would go ahead, and he is going to pick Montrose. And he actually didn't write anything down for this one. So, we'll see. But he did pick Montrose to go ahead and beat Fountain Fort Carson and move on to the next round of the playoffs. Let's keep this thing pushing though. And let's go ahead and talk about Palmer Ridge versus Pueblo West. Now this was an absolute thriller. Pueblo West would travel up to Palmer Ridge on Saturday. And you know what? Pueblo West actually had a chance to win this game after getting to Palmer Ridge's 32-yard line in the fourth quarter with under a minute left just a couple of seconds left and so they would kick this field goal but they would miss it and so this game would go into overtime it was tied 14 to 14 and so that's where we're gonna pick this thing up here in overtime Pueblo West's Cole Brinkley finds Tyler Cullen for a passing touchdown first in overtime so they would score first and the PAT would go ahead and make it 21 to 14 Pueblo West but Palmer Ridge would not go down easy they would reply with a rushing touchdown and complete the PAT to tie it back up at 21 to 21 and so going into double overtime here Palmer Ridge they would have the ball first and they would score on a yet another rushing touchdown led by the monument moving company to take the lead back in double overtime making it 28 to 21 but pueblo west not going away quite yet gage martinez would reply with a rushing touchdown making it 28 to 27 now at this point pueblo west decides to go for two to win this game they don't want to tie anymore they want to win this one and so they would go for two but this Palmer Ridge defense stands strong and would stop them and preserve the dub. Palmer Ridge beats Pueblo West 28-27 and move on to the next round of the playoffs. And awaiting them in the next round of the playoffs would be Erie. Erie goes ahead and blows out Fruita Monument 50-26. I think we all predicted that here. Uh, Blake Barnett had three first half rushing touchdowns uh, to help put Erie up. 29 to 14 at half he would get another rushing touchdown in the third quarter and would have four total rushing touchdowns in this game number five Caleb Thiessen for Erie would also have three rushing touchdowns in this game for Erie uh, I think one of those came in the first half and then the next two came in the second half as Erie goes ahead and takes care of Fruita Monument 50-26 to almost exclusively on rushing touchdowns. And so as predicted, or at least as I predicted, we have Palmer Ridge versus Erie here in the playoffs here. Now, I'm going to go ahead and talk about my prediction here. Fruita Monument is the most difficult opponent Erie has had all 
season. While Palmer Ridge is one of the more stacked teams in the state with an all-star offensive line, um, shout out to the Monument Moving Company, uh, that battled against a Pueblo West team in their game last week, winning in double overtime, all rushing touchdowns, by the way. And they also, Palm Ridge, that is, have a lot of good skill players. They're pretty stacked at the skill player position that match up well against Erie. In addition, you know, Palm Ridge has played tougher teams, uh, tougher teams than Erie has, like Pueblo West. They played them twice. Um, they played Braden Dormans of Vista Ridge. They played Montrose, who is the number one seed, and they only lost to them 28 to 21. And then they played Ponderosa. This will be an absolute battle, and Palmer Ridge's quarterback needs to have a great game. No bad mistakes, but I'm going to pick Palmer Ridge to slightly edge this young, eerie team in this showdown here. I'm going to go ahead and pick Palmer Ridge here. Palmer Ridge is also the home team as well. Mason would also pick Palmer Ridge here against Erie. He says after last week, this was a tough decision, but I'm sticking with my pick. And then in all caps, he wrote Monument Moving Company. Then in no caps, he said, we'll take the dub. So there you go. He is banking on this elite offensive line to carry Palmer Ridge over Erie. And then Cody does not write anything here at all, but he does pick Erie to pick Palmer Ridge. I think Cody actually picked Erie to win state here. And you know what? He feels pretty good about that still. He has still picked Erie to win state. So there you go. Um, two of us are picking Palmer Ridge. Cody is picking Erie. Moving on though. Let me go ahead and talk about Dakota Ridge versus Longmont. Cody was actually at this game. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and talk about this game here. This one was a pretty exciting offensive game, if I do say so myself. To start out this game, Caleb Johnson on Longmont, uh, he would open up with a 100-yard kick return for a Longmont touchdown. They would also get the two-point conversion, making it 8-0 Longmont early on. But moving forward in this game, Noah Triplett, and his quarterback, Adam Graves, would both score a rushing touchdown, making it 14-8 Dakota Ridge in the lead. But Keegan Patterson, he would go ahead and tie it up with a 19-yard rushing touchdown on his own. And then Dante Capolongo would actually have two rushing touchdowns here in the second quarter that would make it 28-15 with four minutes left in this first half but with one minute left keegan patterson would have a 39 yard rushing touchdown making it 28 to 22 dakota ridge does still lead this game but with uh less than a minute left here dakota ridge decides to try to go ahead and score one more time here to extend this lead and so they use up the clock very efficiently here they have a very efficient drive and then with seven seconds left just about seven seconds left in the second quarter number seven for dakota ridge isaac uh i want to say it's pingerin i want to say scores the rushing touchdown and then they would make the PAT, making it 35-22 to 22 at halftime. But to start the third, Adam Graves would finish off a very long drive with an 18-yard touchdown pass with 
just about six minutes left in the third he would find his guy uh, Xander Cantor on that though and then the PAT would be completed making it 42 to 22 a 20 point lead here in the third quarter by Keegan Patterson not to be denied not to be counted out just yet would run in a five yard rushing touchdown after a pretty long drive here with four minutes left in the third well a two minute drive here uh but they would not complete the two minute or sorry two minute two point conversion here and so it would be a 42 to 28 game here dakota ridge still leading here by 14. but using the clock efficiently with under a minute left in the third, Dakota Ridge would then score a 20-yard touchdown pass. Adam Graves finding his boy, Connor Fitzhugh, on a pretty perfect pass between the corner and safety, Cody said, with around 40 seconds left. In the third, this would extend the lead to 49-28. Going into the fourth, this Longmont offense would suddenly be quiet, shut up by this Dakota Ridge defense, and they would struggle to apply it back. And so with four minutes left in the fourth quarter in the game, Noah Triplett goes ahead and breaks loose a 91-yard touchdown run to put this thing away, basically making it 56-28. Now, Caleb Johnson would score another touchdown late in the game, but it would not matter. Dakota Ridge beats Longmont 56-25 here. I'm going to go ahead and quote some things that Cody said. You know, he did text us in the group chat, us as in, you know, the other guys who work on the Playmakers Corner, saying that Adam Graves looked very different from when we watched him against Rampart. Granted, against Rampart, no, definitely a little bit of an off game. A pretty off game, but in this game, Cody did say that Adam Graves looks like a championship winning quarterback and a good one at that. He made some pretty big plays here down the stretch that would help this Dakota Ridge team along. You know, obviously, this Dakota Ridge team ran the ball a ton with, you know, Dante Capolongo, Noah Triplett, um, some other people mixed in there as well. Graves, he ran one in, but Cody did say Adam Graves, he threw the ball well. He was moving the ball well on a lot of these drives, and then those two touchdowns in the third quarter really cemented that for him. This Dakota Ridge team looks really good. And so let me just go ahead and shout out one stat line here uh, because he is a contender for player of the week here. Once again, that is running back, junior running back, that is Noah Triplett on 28 carries. He had nearly 300 rushing yards. He had 297 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, including that long 91 yard rushing touchdown um, at the end of this thing to pretty much ice this game and then at the beginning he did have that touchdown off of a very nice spin move showing that he could get it done uh, at the beginning throughout the middle and at the end as Noah Triplett comes through big for this Dakota Ridge team also shout out to Don Tacopolongo getting two rushing touchdowns himself uh, Adam Graves throwing two touchdowns and running one in he did have a pick or two here though but did not matter as Dakota Ridge be a pretty explosive Longmont offense 56 to 35 going into the next round of this playoffs Dakota Ridge will play the winner of that Chatfield versus Ponderosa game and it was Chatfield they took care of this young Ponderosa team 31 to 9 
Um, unfortunately, freshman quarterback Heidel and freshman receiver Mervin would not be enough to beat this pretty experienced team as senior Jake Marshall for Chatfield on 27 carries had 197 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Also worth noting that senior Caden Logan had three sacks for Chatfield. Both of these guys obviously put their names in contention for player of the week. And so with that being said, it's going to be a rematch. Dakota Ridge versus Chatfield in the next round of these playoffs this weekend. And so let me go ahead and uh, predict this game. I'm going to predict Dakota Ridge winning this rematch. Dakota Ridge has played a pretty interesting group of teams this last month between Longmont, Chatfield, who they're playing again, and Golden. And so at this point, they are battle-hardened because... Two of those three games were pretty close. The Longmont game was pretty close for about half of the game. So there you go. And so they're battle-hardened. And although they barely beat Chatfield 29-28 earlier in the season, they should be feeling themselves. Even more after a huge win over an explosive Longmont offense. And so I'm just going to say it. Dakota Ridge does not lose this matchup. They find a way to get it done and move on to the next round of the playoffs here so i'm picking dakota ridge over chatfield and you know what so is mason he's picking dakota ridge and he says i've personally seen both of these teams play he was actually at that golden versus dakota ridge game and golden versus chatfield game so that's what he means by that um but he does say i've personally seen both these teams play dakota ridge is ready and built to beat chatfield built to beat chatfield is what he says so there you go cody is gonna go ahead and pick dakota ridge no explanation here so 3-0 dakota ridge to beat chatfield this should be a close one though don't get it twisted it should be a close game but we're gonna pick dakota ridge to go ahead and beat chatfield and move on to the next round of the playoffs all right so let me talk about the next two 4a playoff games here the last two 4a playoff games going to talk about before I hit predictions and so Pine Creek versus Bear Creek wasn't a close game all of us picked Pine Creek last week Pine Creek takes care of Bear Creek 41 to 7 uh, Jojo Roy 7 of 10 for 90 passing yards 10 carries 76 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns doing his thing per usual and then running back Zion Hill for Pine Creek on 18 carries he had 169 rushing yards three rushing touchdowns also three receptions for 24 receiving yards as Pine Creek goes ahead and pounds their way through Bear Creek going on to the next round of the playoffs and they will be playing the winner of this Loveland versus Vista Ridge game here and you know what Loveland would actually go ahead and take care of Vista Ridge winning by 24 points they won 48 224 here over at Ray Patterson Stadium. Uh, Braden Dorman didn't play bad for Vista Ridge. He was 24 of 40, about 260 passing yards, 60% completion rating, um, threw three touchdowns, did throw one interception. But other than that, you know, this defense didn't have many turnovers. They just could not keep up with this Loveland team who continues to roll here and will be looking to play Pine Creek in the next round of the playoffs here and so here we go we got pine creek versus loveland loveland will be coming down and be playing pine creek here in colorado springs at d20 stadium 7 p.m friday i will be in attendance of that game uh, at least i think i will be at attendance of that game so there you go 
but here we go we got Loveland versus Pine Creek you know what I'm gonna go ahead and pick Pine Creek here um, look this game will be a good old-fashioned brawl both teams play tough defense both teams are built to be extremely physical up front both offensively and defensively by the way um, and these teams honestly they're very alike you know very similar with similar philosophies they like to run the ball with their quarterbacks um, you know they run the ball obviously with a bunch of different people and then they play very good suffocating defense here but I'm gonna choose Pine Creek because I think they have a couple more ways offensively to beat Loveland in my opinion and I'm gonna look to their leader quarterback senior quarterback Jojo Roy to lead this team into a tough physical game and pull this one out and look this won't be an easy game though this is probably going to be one of the toughest matchups in the entire state both teams are going to be hitting hard uh don't get it twisted it will be a brawl an absolute uh, battle down on the field a very big battle down on the field and so it won't be an easy game they're gonna have to go up against not only the, the defending champs in Loveland but they are going against the number one rated linebacker at least in me and Cody's opinion in the state and that is Ian Loomis at 6'3 220 pounds who already took care of a you know pretty explosive Vista Ridge offense here last week and so this will be a good one but I'm gonna pick Pine Creek to pull this one out and continue on in the playoffs now Cody is gonna pick Loveland and he actually wrote down a reason right here he said I'm gonna go with the defending champs on this one to be more physical than Pine Creek that's it that's all he wrote there and then Mason will pick Loveland as well he says they play tough and I think they barely get it done again in a close game against Pine Creek so that makes me sound really biased being from Colorado Springs and whatnot but I don't care Let's roll Pine Creek Eagles. So there you go. That will wrap up the 4A recap here. Let's go ahead and move on to 3A. And in 3A, we are in the first round of the playoffs. Um, only for this level, by the way. And so I'm going to go ahead and start with Roosevelt versus Thomas Jefferson. Um, we all picked Roosevelt here. Roosevelt would go ahead and beat down Thomas Jefferson 56 to 15 and they would rip apart Thomas Jefferson on both sides of the ball uh, Roosevelt on offense Brock Saya um, led the team in passing yards obviously because he's the quarterback but he won six of nine for 160 passing yards three passing touchdowns also had four carries for 43 rushing yards uh, Ryan Doucette at running back and okay I'm trying to figure out the math here but on three carries he had 140 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown i still can't figure out the math i just know three carries for 140 rushing yards is very good so we're gonna rock with that but let me keep moving forward here tucker peterson at wide receiver four receptions 99 receiving yards two receiving touchdowns just absolutely dominating that secondary over there and then defensively roosevelt was right there too cooper walton our number two linebacker in the state by the way in a pretty close uh evaluation if i do say so myself but he did have 10 total tackles two tackles for losses led the team in that um also had a forced fumble and fumble recovery so you already know he is automatic automatically on our player of the week contention list here and then defense would actually recover two other fumbles i made sure to make a note of that and then Jaden castanueva 
two sacks. Bronco Hartson will have the other sack out of three in this game. And then Jaden Botterell, um, the senior, I believe. He had two, interse two interceptions, one of those being a pick six. As Roosevelt thumps Thomas Jefferson 56-15 in a pretty convincing playoff dub here. No surprises here. Now, Roosevelt will play the winner of this next game I'm going to talk about in the next round here, and that is Holy Family versus Pueblo South. This one was a pretty close one. We expected it to be a close one, but Holy Family does take care of Pueblo South 34-18. Uh, Jacob Lover for Holy Family having a fantastic performance here. The senior had 21 carries and would basically rush for 218 rushing yards three rushing touchdowns would also snag an inner or not an interception snag a catch for 21 yards as well being you know one of the main reasons why holy family was able to control this game against pueblo south and pull it out 34 to 18 in a tough matchup there now we have holy family versus roosevelt winner of this one obviously moves on uh you know to the next round of the playoffs and you know i'm gonna pick roosevelt here they've looked unstoppable all season including them beating holy family 49 to 7 in a game earlier on in the season now i think it's important to put out there just for the sake of you know context but rylan cooney the sophomore starting quarterback for holy family was not exactly starting this entire game he was splitting snaps in that game and so in this playoff game he won't be splitting snaps that's just not gonna happen so this one will definitely be a, a different looking game for sure i would say but i'm still gonna say roosevelt continues to roll here you know rylan cooney he's a very young quarterback a sophomore he will have his time moving forward but right now i think he's just a little bit too inexperienced against a very tough roosevelt defense and just team in general offensively they're great too and so there you go but they need to make sure they're locked in roosevelt that is and beat this holy family team soundly once more because this is still a pretty talented squad out of all the second round matchups this one is still a quality game here and so just got to keep in mind here and stay on your toes here. I'm going to go ahead and pick Roosevelt to beat Holy Family. Mason would pick Roosevelt as well. He says, I have a feeling this game is not going to be close. Roosevelt is dominant, and I definitely think they can handle this game. So there you go. Cody doesn't write anything down for this one. He just picks Roosevelt. So there you go. 3L Roosevelt uh, predicted to beat Holy Family in the next round of the playoffs. Moving on, though, we have Durango versus evergreen this was not a close game durango goes ahead and beats down evergreen 56 to 3 zach haber he went um surprisingly one for one passing wise for 30 passing yards completed one pass so there you go but on 14 carries he had 195 rushing yards four rushing touchdowns um by the way the team in total had 403 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns so he basically accounts for half of the yardage there offensively and so doing that automatically gets you in the conversation for player of the week there you go uh, defensively though Durango played well uh, led by senior linebacker Cole Matava he had 16 total tackles one fumble recovery and two tackles for losses and then junior A.J. Folk, 
junior Julian Garcia Rodriguez, senior, senior sorry, Walter Stauffer, who by the way forced a fumble and recovered a fumble, so there you go. But all of those guys each had a sack here. Chase Robertson also snagged an interception as Durango dominates on all sides of the ball, just like Roosevelt did in their first round matchup. But Durango does beat Evergreen 56-3, unfortunately ending the good season that Evergreen had going on there in the first round. Now moving on here, we got Meade versus Northridge. And this was a lot closer than we thought. Everyone still picked Meade to win this game, but we didn't think it would be this close. Meade was down 14 to 20 for a lot of the third quarter, actually, until Evan Morris would find Corby Teku. You don't see this every day for a 27 yard touchdown pass with a minute left in the third quarter, obviously taking that lead with the PAT, making it 21 to 20 now Meade would force a punt at the seven minute mark um like Northridge had the ball and they would force a punt there and so Northridge would punt it to Meade in the fourth and then basically Meade would drain the rest of the clock on a seven minute long drive starting at their own 30 and so they would basically erase 70 minutes of game clock and would win this game 21 to 20 in a very close game gotta give Northridge a lot of credit here but they were the younger team. Um, uh, it showed, obviously, because they couldn't stop this Meade offense for seven minutes. And then offensively, they couldn't find more ways to get it done earlier on in the game. But Northridge, they should be proud of this game. They are a very young team. A lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors. Um, a lot of their key players are juniors. We talked about this in the preview last week. So we all knew this was going to come. Um, but Meade... Red flag, man. 21 to 20, and you're at home. That's not a good thing there. I would definitely say that Meade played down to Northridge almost. And they did blow out Northridge 49 to 0 early on in the season. So I just, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but uh, there you go. But Meade goes ahead and moves on, and they will be playing Durango in the next round and would actually have to travel to Durango to go ahead and play them here in the next round of the playoffs. So let me go ahead and predict this one. Um, Meade unfortunately has a long trip down to Durango where this game will be hosted. Durango knocked out Evergreen pretty surely in this game while Meade struggled to beat a very young Northridge team that they should have knocked out in this game to be honest. They already did earlier on in the season but Honestly, Meade has found more ways to lose to quality opponents than win. Um, I wanted them to win state. I really did. But Durango here, they're going to be at home, empowered by their home crowd, which they should be. And so they should find a very quality win here is all I'm going to say here. I'm picking Durango to beat Meade in the 3A playoffs in the second round. Cody will also agree with me. Uh, picking Durango to pick Meade, no explanation there. And then Mason is picking Durango as well, making it 3-0, us predicting Durango to beat Meade and move on to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, Mason does say, though, Durango got it done last week, and so he's sticking with them, plain and simple. There you go. So, I have to agree. Moving on, though, uh, we got Fort Morgan versus Green Mountain. I think most of us probably predicted Fort Morgan to win by a lot more in this matchup 
And they didn't. They only won 14 to 0 here. Now, as of right now, when I'm recording this, it's like uh, around 5 p.m. on November 15th here. Fort Morgan has not put in their stats yet, so I don't have anybody to shout out for Fort Morgan here. But you know what matters is that Fort Morgan moves on in the playoffs, and they will play the winner of this Frederick versus Pueblo County game. And this game was not close. Frederick would go ahead and roll over Pueblo County 42-7. Parker Ayers led the squad with 13 carries, 133 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns. And then Cruz Zamudio, yeah, Cruz Zamudio would have 14 carries for 102 rushing yards and 1 rushing touchdown as Frederick continues their role here and beats down Pueblo County and move on to play Fort Morgan in the next round of the playoffs. Let's hop into predictions here. Gonna be honest, surprisingly enough, Fort Morgan only won 14-0 against Green Mountain. To me, that's definitely a red flag. But you know what? I'm gonna pick Fort Morgan to outscore Frederick in a close one. I think Fort Morgan wakes up here, decide they don't want to go out in the second round, and they go ahead and win a close one against a Frederick squad that has been absolutely on fire the last couple weeks, including an absolute smackdown of Meade in the last game of the season. And so... Fort Morgan, I think they're going to also be hosting as well, which is why I'm going to, it's partially why I'm picking them, because they also have one of the best stadiums slash home field advantages in the entire state of Colorado, and so they should find a way to beat Frederick and this one, but it's going to be close, don't get it twisted, this is not a guaranteed dub, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with my pick here at the beginning of the playoffs and pick Fort Morgan to beat Frederick. Now, Mason... He is rolling with Fort Morgan as well. He says, Fort Morgan is definitely crazy good. I think they can get it done yet again. So there you go. Cody picks Fort Morgan. No explanation needed. Um, well, no explanation written down. So there you go. 3-0-S picking Fort Morgan to go ahead and beat Frederick moving on to the next round of the playoffs. So boom, there you go. Keeping it going though here in the 3A playoffs in the first round. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Lutheran versus Discovery Canyon. We all picked Lutheran to win this one. Wasn't going to be close. And they proved that. They beat Discovery Canyon 49-7. Clayton Jacobs, he won 17 of 27 for 254 passing yards. Two passing touchdowns. Two interceptions, though. A little sloppy, not going to lie. But he did carry the ball 50, or sorry, 11 times for 55 rushing yards. Two rushing touchdowns. Ryan Allen also had three receptions. 122 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. And then I want to just note this here as well. Trey CCO, he had a kick return for a touchdown as the Lutheran beats Discovery Canyon in a lot of different ways here. 49-7, pretty resounding here in this playoff dub. They're going to move on and play the winner of this Palisade versus Pueblo East game. And you know what? That game was pretty close here. Palisade only beat Pueblo East 35 to 21. That's a pretty close game. That's 14 scores. Um, but, you know, Palisade was in control of most of this game here. Senior Franklin Barks, who, by the way, also had an interception. Junior Malachi Espinosa, Junior Rhett Ward, and Junior Fallon Savalti all scored a rushing touchdown and ran over 65 rushing yards. So that's like four different guys doing that. Um, so there you go. They ran for a total of 347 rushing yards, 
five total rushing touchdowns, really controlling this clock here and not giving Pueblo East many opportunities to score by controlling the ball on their side. So there you go. It will be Lutheran versus Palisade in the second round of the 3A playoffs. So I'll go ahead and predict this one. I predict Lutheran to go ahead and beat Palisade. Now Lutheran demolished DCC while Palisade won by only 14 against Pueblo East. Now don't get it twisted here. Lutheran should continue their role here and move on to the next round of the playoffs, but this will be a difficult test. Any mistakes you make against Palisade only helps them because they are able to control the ball, control the clock, play solid defense. Um, that's their game plan, you know, and so if you make a mistake, you know, that's a lot of time. They're just going to keep draining from the clock and, you know, Palisade here, find them. I'm going to try to give Lutheran as few opportunities on offense as possible by getting up early and then just running the ball with like five different backs or whatever they usually do here. And so Lutheran here, not only do they have to play a clean offensive game here, but defensively, they have to be on top of it. They have to stack the box um, and, you know, force them to pass it because I don't think they can, honestly. So there you go there, but I'm picking Lutheran to win this one. Mason will also pick Lutheran, but he says this game should not be close. Lutheran with the dub. <laughs> there you go. Cody doesn't write anything on here, but he does pick Lutheran. So there you go. We're all picking Lutheran to beat Palisade. Um, like I said, don't get it twisted. This will be a tough game. Lutheran hasn't had exactly the toughest in-state schedule um you know this season so palisade will definitely be a little bit of a step up as a challenge which i'm sure lutheran wants and whatnot but we're, we're just gonna have to see how this one turns out this should be good for lutheran but they have to be on their game to win this one all right so that's 3a we're gonna keep this thing pushing here and talk about 2a ball here so you know, these matchups were all pretty close here, and not even gonna lie on the 2A level, our bracket's broken. Not just mine, but Cody, Mason's, Anthony Garcia from Mile High Prep Report. So, we have accepted that, but for now, this side of the bracket, at least my bracket, is pretty intact here. And so I'm gonna go ahead and talk about Eden versus Elizabeth. They go ahead and beat Elizabeth 31-7. to um, Not a close one, didn't think this would this one would be a close one so there you go Eden's defense dominated this one and really put this one away Morgan Trebet had a sack forced fumble fumble recovery 12 total tackles two tackles for losses and then Trent Salberg he had two interceptions in this game as Eden dominates on defense obviously both of these guys are in conversation for player of the week so there you go there the team that Eden will play in the second round will actually be from this University versus Delta game where University wins 28 to 14. Greg Garza, the University quarterback, went 14 of 21 for 186 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, only one interception, did have 16 carries for 60 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Caden uh, Padilla though, another guy to throw in there for player of the week contention. He had three receptions, 66 receiving yards. One receiving touchdown um, on the offensive side of the ball. Then on defense, seven total tackles. And then one pretty big pick six that would put this one away for University here. I'm just going to throw this out there as well. University also had another end zone interception that would shut down a Delta drive. So there you go. University upsets Delta 28-14 to 
thanks to that pick six from Kanan Padilla and that pick in the end zone, and then another great performance from Greg Garza. And so it will be Eden versus University part two to decide who gets a trip to state this year and so Eden will obviously I think they will be hosting this matchup here so University will go to Eden this time if you remember earlier on in the year Eden and University that was a very close game University actually had the lead over Eden going into the fourth quarter the only team to ever do that this season and you know they did end up losing by pretty much only a score and so honestly this is the showdown. This is a showdown that both teams had to have known in their gut was coming again. They had to have known that this rematch would happen again to decide who goes to state. And obviously, University, they want to win this rematch and claim their spot at state, you know. But you could really go back and look at that Eden game and kind of point to that. And even though they did lose, that was a confidence builder showing that they can hang with this Eden squad here. And that's enough um, confidence for this university team. So it will be extremely competitive. Eden obviously wants to go back to state and have a chance at repeating. So there's a lot on the line here, obviously. You know, both these teams want to win the rematch. So it will be extremely competitive here. The difference is though that Ethan Flores, he has had a lot of rest. Only had five carries um, in his game last week. And the game before that, against or uh, in the first round that is against Kent Denver he didn't play at all and so he is very well rested as well as a lot of these Eden players here they're very well rested a lot more rested than a lot of these university players who couldn't afford to you know rest some players but that could be a good thing and a bad thing uh, you know, Eden, they might have some guys who haven't played, you know, heavy minutes in a while here. And so, like I said, that could be a good thing and a bad thing. Good, they're rested, but bad, they might not have that momentum uh, moving into this game like University does. But I'm going to go ahead. And even though I've picked University to win every single round of the playoffs up until this point, I'm going to go ahead and rock with Eden here. I think they have the advantage playing at home. That's a huge advantage, by the way. They're going to be rocking, um, especially if they have a chance to go to state. And you know what? I think they fight their way to another state championship trip. I will admit that I am sad that only one team could go to state. This is probably a game that I wish was the state championship game because I truly respect both teams. I have a lot of dudes on both teams that I like, that I'm rooting for, that have made a lot of strides to be better this season, to play quality Colorado football here. And so it's going to be it's going to be sad. It sucks. You know, both of these teams don't deserve to lose in this round of the playoffs. They both deserve to be in state. So with that being said, I'm just going to say I won't be surprised if University goes, but you got to understand they are at, at a disadvantage here. And that's nothing new. A lot of people picked against them throughout these playoffs. You know, obviously they were the lower seed against Delta. They're the lower seed in the first playoff matchup. So they're used to being doubted. And you know what? This would be an excellent story if they can move on and go to state um, for a lot of reasons. But you know what? They have to beat Eden here to do that. And that will feel like a state championship game 
in itself. Maybe even harder than a state championship game. So there you go. Cody is going to go ahead and pick University. He is picking University um, because, and this is what he said, University is heating up at just the right time and want to right the wrongs of losing to Eden earlier this season. He picks University to go ahead and punch their ticket to state through Eden. And then to split this tie here, Mason will actually pick Eden. He says, I think this is going to come down to who makes fewer mistakes. And I can see it going either way. I think Eden wins by one score. And if University wins, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be happy to have them both prove me wrong. So there you go. That is probably our first split decision. Uh, on this episode or one of our more split decisions here and so this was just a hard one to pick for all of us it could have went either way but for now Cody and I or sorry Mason and I are picking Eden Cody will go ahead and pick University by the way I should be able to make this game we'll have to see uh, I'm gonna be deciding between the two but people won't know if I'll be at that game because uh, you know follow our Instagram account and you will see on our story where I'm at, where we're at throughout this weekend uh, of playoffs here. So there you go. Now let me get to this other side of the bracket where we had two huge upsets happen. And so I'm going to go ahead and start with Brush versus Resurrection Christian. Brush beats Resurrection Christian 21-17. to Honestly, Brush just took advantage of Res and their overconfidence in this huge upset win here. At the end of the day, Rez just did not play a full four quarters, and they paid for it. They lost 21-17, to but shout out to Brush, though, proving us wrong, proving everyone wrong, really, here, um, because they did their thing, and that starts with seniors, Cesar Hinoyos, I want to say. He had 14 total tackles, two tackles for losses, also had... 15 carries for 85 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Senior Caden Moriarty was right up uh, up there as well with 14 total tackles. Then junior Chaos Stegner had one sack in this game as they go ahead and pretty much shut down this resurrection team and win 21-17 in a huge upset, just catching them off guard. And so they go ahead and move on to the next round of the playoffs to play the winner of Severance versus TCA. And oh boy, Severance versus TCA in Colorado Springs at TCA. <sighs> Taking a deep breath because I know I need it. Not going to lie. I've been pretty livid about this game here. Um, shout out to Severance. They deserve a lot of credit, but I've been pretty livid. I have said that I will go Stephen A. Smith uh, in this segment here on TCA but for now let me just talk about the game first talk about how it all you know went down and then I will say some pretty strong opinions at the end here but for now I'm gonna be composed and talk about this game and so in the first quarter at the nine minute two second mark severance Splitting carries at quarterback, by the way, between number 17, um, their sophomore quarterback, I want to say. Yep, Jaden Hoffman. And then number four, their junior quarterback, Nolan Hertzke, who has been getting the majority of the snaps this season. And, you know, 
probably got the majority of the snaps in this game as well. Notably though, Severance was splitting carries, or I guess splitting snaps is the more accurate term here, but they were doing that to open up this game. Um, all the way down this uh, field, basically, this TCA defense was struggling as Severance was splitting carries between their quarterbacks. But at the 7 minute 23 second mark, the TCA defense holds strong on 4th in the red zone. Hertzke, um, Nolan Hertzke that is, notably sailed two straight passes. And so TCA doesn't get scored on to begin this drive. But TCA would get the ball back, and they would drive here. And at the 4 minute 23 second mark, on 3rd down, 3rd and long by the way, they would give the ball to Cade Palmer, which it's because they can't throw the ball, but they would give the ball to Cade Palmer, and the Severance defense, they would swarm him, they would strip the ball in a very rare fumble. Um, Cade Palmer doesn't fumble the ball a lot, but they would go ahead and strip the ball, and then they would come up with the recovery in the end zone, so this would count for a touchdown, and I believe that was actually a freshman, Logan uh, Villainous, I want to say. Hopefully I'm saying that right, but that was a huge swing in this game as Severance go ahead and, you know, make a pretty big statement here. Getting TCA in a third and long, like I said, uh, would be helpful for them to do last week. And they go ahead and strip the ball and recover it in the end zone. It would be 6-0 because they wouldn't hit the PAT, but doesn't matter, Severance is still uh, now, going into the first quarter here still, TCA gets the ball back, obviously, with about four minutes left. Um, their quarterback, Sam Gilas, he just sails two open passes. Just, I mean, he had two guys open, uh, and they would have been deep touchdown passes probably, but he sails both of them severance. They go ahead and force TCA to punt. And then the quarter ends, second quarter happens, number four goes ahead and rips off a huge 55-yard touchdown run. That is the quarterback, Nolan Hertzke, doing it for Severance to open up the quarter. First play of the quarter. Uh, he would go ahead and rip off that run and make it 13-0 Severance. They would hit the field goal here, the PAT here. Then right after on the ensuing kickoff, Severance goes ahead and gets a huge hit here and forces a fumble on kickoff and recovered the ball on the 30 um going into the end zone that is and you know what severance they are driving here using up a lot of clock here but aren't able to keep this drive going so they go ahead kick a field goal which isn't bad they score off of a turnover making it 16 to 0 severance here with a lot of time left in this game and so with the 9 minutes 43 seconds you know Cade palmer he finally gets going here rips off a nice 20 yard run here and then finally, Sam, he finds his guy, number 14, on a huge 40-yard touchdown bomb. Finally hits on that throw. TCA would go ahead and kick the PAT as well, make it, and that will be 16-7. to Severance still in the lead, though. But with 7 minutes, 10 seconds left, Nolan Hertzke finds his guy, number 11, Trevin Hole, for 30 yards. And then on third down again, later in this drive, um, Hertzke, he's trying to find somebody, he's trying to get something going here. I think he aims for Trevin Hole one more time, but ends up just throwing a bad interception to Aaron Johnson in the end zone. In my opinion, it was third down, 
Um, Severance, they were in field goal range. Like, I feel like they hit a field goal from that range already earlier on in the game. And you know what? He should have just checked down. Instead, he was trying to find the touchdown. Unfortunately, it is picked off. The pass is extremely inaccurate, so the DB is able to go ahead and field that one. And so TCA ends that drive there. You know what, TCA, they're trying to find some momentum here. And so at 4 minutes, 28 seconds left in the first half, Matt Segovia goes in and breaks a 50-yard run on an end-around, basically, from his uh, wide receiver spot, basically. And he almost scores on this play, but it's the safety, number 20, Caden Donovan, for Severance that goes in and tracks him down and prevents the would-be touchdown run. And that actually is huge because on this same drive, Sam would actually miss Segovia on a really late throw on third. If Sam threw it to Segovia in the first window, he would have had him. Instead, he tries to get him in the second one. I mean, it wasn't accurate anyway. He sails the ball. And so there you go. TCA is in a fourth down situation. It's like fourth and long at this point. And so they decide to go for the field goal. They miss it. It's a pretty long one. It's about 40 to 50 yards. Uh, so there you go. But they miss it on fourth. And so it's still 16 to 7 severance here as they get the ball in the second quarter. And then with a minute 15 seconds left, Nolan Hertzke, he's in the game. He finds his guy, number 11, Trevin Hole, who just goes up there and makes a play and gets a 30-yard reception here on third down, which happened to be huge because it was a third and long situation, and Trevin Hole would basically bail Severance out of that one yet again. And then literally right on the next play, number 17, the sophomore quarterback, Jaden Hoffman, would come in, and then he would find number 11, Trevin Hole, uh, one more time who makes an excellent grab a 25 yard touchdown reception here absolutely just destroying the cornerback basically the cornerback had no chance Trevin Hole just went up for it more aggressively and he came down with it on an excellent 25 yard touchdown reception just one athlete making a better play than another athlete on that play right there and Severance would go ahead and take a 23 to 7 lead here now tca would get the ball back and with 46 seconds left severance actually forces a three and out and part of it is in fact due to their quarterback sam just not making the greatest decisions here he takes a bad sack he tries to scramble for a couple yards and then he underthrows a ball here on third that probably should have been a pick but is dropped and so TCA goes three and out here, and that proves to be fatal as Severance gets the ball back, and Nolan Hertzke goes ahead and dials it up to his boy, Trevin Hole, who hasn't failed him quite yet, and he throws a 50-yard touchdown throw to Trevin Hole, who absolutely mosses his guy again and then drags him to the end zone. But the play is called back on a questionable call. To be honest with you, I'm not sure what it was. I think they said... It was like holding or something like that. I didn't think it was holding because the play happened pretty quickly, but the play is called back regardless though. It does not matter as Hertzke once again dials up another deep bomb, this time to Caden Donovan, who goes ahead and makes a play on his guy, but is tackled inside the five, I want to say, and that goes down as a pretty big 45-yard catch by Caden Donovan. Severance, 
has all of their timeouts. They've managed their timeouts very well in this game, unlike TCA. And so with 17 seconds left, Severance goes ahead and scores a rushing touchdown. But a false start would push that back and bring back that rushing touchdown. But doesn't matter. With 14 seconds, Hertzke runs, um, takes it himself, puts it on the three. Severance calls a timeout. Then it's Jaden Hoffman. He runs it himself for a touchdown um, from three yards out, making it 31-7. to He's also good on the two-point conversion. And just like that, Severance is up 31-7 to going into halftime on TCA. And let me tell you what, the panic is real. Severance dominating to a 31-7 lead at halftime. That gets some people a little antsy. And, you know, this is when the parents in the crowd, I was sitting on the TCA side, but this is when the parents in the crowd started saying some pretty out-of-pocket stuff here. I have some things to say about that, actually, but we'll get to it when we get to it here because I don't want to expose too much quite yet. It'll expose itself, but basically... Basically, this was the thing they were saying in the stance. One fan was quoted saying they have no idea what they're doing on offense. They have no idea what they're doing on offense. There's no reason TCA should be losing to Severance right now. Um, another student did say Severance, they're a nobody program. You know, they don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows where they're from, yada, yada. They were talking a lot of smack for, um, you know, for a fan base that is down 31 to 7 at halftime, even though they're playing at home in our favorite. But I'm just going to throw that out there remember those words okay and so in the third quarter you know tca they begin to come alive a little bit um but it's in thanks to their athletes Cade palmer on the first play of the half the first carry of the half goes ahead and rips off a 70 yard touchdown run he gets the outside and just rips it off it is 31 to 14 so there you go severance then gets the ball and they want to reply back but they're also trying to use up the clock and give TCA less opportunities ultimately. And so, you know, they're running. They're running with a bunch of different guys here. Uh, Nolan Hertzke actually takes a carry here and scrambles like 10 to 15 yards for the first down and then gets hit pretty late out of bounds. Like he has both of his feet out of bounds, takes another step even. Then he just gets a lit up out of nowhere from a linebacker so you know there you go that's tca doing their thing there ref surprisingly doesn't call that one even though it was pretty blatant if you ask me but whatever doesn't matter um eventually on in this drive trevin hole comes up huge with a 40 plus yard reception once again he's 101 no safety help so he goes ahead and just mosses dominates that corner and gets the ball inside the five in the red zone and you know what at the 9 minute 47 mark severance replies back with a five yard touchdown by number two jake shorb i want to say he goes ahead and punches it in um they would miss the two-point conversion but still it is 37 to 14 severance with a 23 point lead but the tca athletes don't want to go home just yet you know they reply back with a huge 90 plus yard kick return touchdown by matthew segovia making it 37 to 21 they would hit that pat so there you go tca is right in it it is 37 to 21 only a 16 point lead now tca they would kick 
the onside and it was perfect it hit the front guy in the face and tca recovers it but surprisingly the refs rule the other way in my opinion that should have probably been tca ball but maybe you know the person who recovered it like his foot was out of bounds or something like that i'm just gonna put that out there you know if it was recovered by TCA inbounds, that's a pretty big missed call. That's a momentum changer there. So I'm just going to put that out there, though. So there you go. But uh, Severance to get the ball, though. And then at 8 minutes, 37 seconds, Trevin Hole actually catches a slant on second down and hurdles um, his defender for a first down. Man, he's just dominating these DBs at this point. And this kind of gets Severance on track and kind of calms them down too. The crowd is going pretty crazy, at least on the TCA side. They're yelling a bunch of stuff. And so this kind of shuts them up for a little bit here. So Severance could continue this drive, continue to use up some clock. And that's what they do. You know, they run the ball. They have some short passes here. And they just continue to use up the clock. Get first downs here until the 6 minute 42 second mark. Which isn't bad. That's about 2 minutes of time. Um, game time that is. They go ahead. Attempt a pretty long field goal here. They miss it. And so TCA is set up with the ball. Unfortunately, TCA is just taking a lot of time here. And their next big play wouldn't come until the 4 minute 39 second mark where Cade Palmer would rip off a um, pretty nice 20 yard run here. But that run is wasted as a bad TCA snap on third down brings up fourth down. Um, Cade Palmer, they toss him the ball on like fourth and 10. He goes ahead and gets the first but a hold would take that away. Um, a bad hold by the offensive line would go ahead and take that away. And so the penalty would be enforced. And TCA would be forced to punt this ball instead of getting the first down. So Severance, they have the ball and they're doing their thing. They're running this thing. They're using up the clock. They're making sure they stay in bounds. They're making sure if a play's not there, they just take the sack or the small loss. Because they need to have this clock moving. But... Sevens, they do find themselves on a third and long situation. And once again, Trevin Hole, number 11, wide receiver for Sevens, comes up big, mosses his guy for a 30-plus yard reception. Again, at this point, I wrote down, why aren't they doubling him? Um, I guess they felt like their corners could handle him despite him mossing them four other times uh, earlier in this game. And so... There you go there, but that would end the fourth as Severance still has the ball and they're using up a lot of clock. But in the fourth quarter, Severance does find themselves in a fourth and short situation instead of kicking the field goal, which I don't think they were going to make anyways. They decide to go for it. Uh, they run it and they do get stuffed by TCA just barely. And so TCA gets the ball back. And you know what they have to throw at this point because they're keying in on Cade Palmer they have been keying on him all game and quite frankly TCA is just running out of time you can't run the ball uh three straight downs and go three and out that would not only use up the clock uh but they're not getting like that many yardage except for a couple big splash plays by Cade Palmer just doing it by himself at this point so there you go but Sam, he would actually miss um, a pretty easy slant route. Uh, I don't know why he missed it, but he did. And it was almost picked off by number one on Severance. It wasn't, though. And so, you know, this TCA, <laughs> this TCA drive survives and they continue to drive here. But 
Around the 9 minute 15 second mark, I think this really affected this drive here, but thanks to the TCA cheer squad and the student section, TCA does get a false start on second. And for some reason, this cheer is going on for like 10 minutes. And so, you know, not only does TCA get the false start, but on the next play, which is like a third and long play, they decide to run it. It's obvious that they can't quite hear because not everybody fires off. Either that or they're just not firing off. And so Severance goes ahead and forces a three and out. Thanks partially to the TCA cheer team and um, the TCA student section who uh, didn't know they were on offense, uh, obviously, as there was a lot of miscommunication on that three and out. So there you go. And then, Severance, they have the ball. They're continuing to drain this clock because they know TCA can't do anything about it. And it's number 17 on Severance, who is a young quarterback, you know, Jaden Hoffman, he's a young guy, sophomore, and he makes the smart decision here um, on third down. He decides to run it instead of taking another deep shot to Trevin Hole so that the clock keeps going here. And so he goes ahead and runs it. TCA stuffs him short. And then um, I think Severance, they go ahead and decide to punt the ball after they drain the clock just a little bit more here in this game. So a lot of time goes by. TCA is running the ball a lot. Severance is allowing them to run it as long as they tackle them inbounds and so they're playing into their game plan pretty easily here and I did make a note here only TCA and Falcon would run three straight times on first second and third down and find themselves in a fourth down situation when they are down in a game. And so, there's only five minutes left in this game TCA decides to run a fake punt. Uh, which happens to be a run. Obviously, it's not a pass on 4th and 10. They would get the first down there. And then here's what happens. You know, TCA, they're about to, you know, get into the red zone here. They're not quite there, but they're about to be there. But on another missed throw on a slant route, it is tipped by number one. And then Caden Donovan would go ahead and get a huge interception off the tip pass shout out to parker gazdick he was the guy who made that tip also made a couple big uh you know a couple big pass deflections in this game as well that would basically seal this one as you know the score is still the same seven still has a 16 point lead but sevens they're driving they're in the red zone they want to score maybe one more time to put this one away for good but Unfortunately, it's just a really bad decision by their young quarterback, Hoffman, here. He throws an interception in the red zone, number four for TCA. He just snags it. I mean, it's a jump ball to Trevin Hole, but he throws it to the wrong side of Trevin Hole, and so that's how that ends. And Segovia gets the interception and is dragged down before he can return it. So there you go. But Severance, they're still leading. They used up a pretty good amount of clock on that one and then this is something that was a little controversial in my opinion it wasn't but tca have no choice but to run the ball and throw very very short passes and on one of these plays you know it is like third down and they convert but Caden donovan he absolutely hits this dude and he hits him pretty hard and he kind of has to drag him away from the sideline and throws him down inbounds so the clock still goes and whatnot and the tca crowd did not like that they're calling horse collar 
it wasn't horse collar. Your boy just got manhandled is what it is. It's called football. It's called physical football. But, you know, they were hollering a lot. And unfortunately, this player was hurt. I believe it was number five, Aaron Johnson, who got hurt on the play. And so the clock stopped anyways. But I was very disappointed by the TCA parents here. And this is where I got to expose them because this is not okay. And this is the type of toxicity that needs to be exposed here. There were definitely a couple parents uh, yelling at that at Caden Donovan specifically saying that he shouldn't be playing football, that he should be kicked out of the game. Uh, there were threats of, you know, parents attempting to maybe go down on the football field and uh, get a hold of Donovan. There were talks about that for sure in this crowd. And just overall, a lot of threats towards Caden Donovan. I don't think he was able to hear all of them, but the crowd was very unhappy. And there was a group that wanted to storm the field, but because it was an injury timeout, they didn't out of respect there. But they were saying a lot of threats here, and I was very disappointed that an adult would threaten a high schooler playing football who made a great football play. And unfortunately, your guy, you know, obviously wishing him all the best. But unfortunately, you know, he just took a pretty hard hit there. Um, but they were making a lot of threats towards Caden Donovan. And, uh, you know, I felt very uncomfortable as a fan and as a media in the stands. I just remember sitting there and being like, nope, that's not. Nope, I can't encourage fighting a child. That is not right. And so, Caden Donovan, if you're listening to this, great hit, my boy. That's all I got to say. Uh, because you got these fans pretty riled up and, uh, you know, only one could say what would happen if these parents hit the field. Because there was no security guarding this field, by the way. So, just keep that in mind. Or at least this part of the field. And so, it was a very disgusting showing by the parents yelling threats at Caden Donovan. Threatening to get put their hands on him on the field and whatnot. And so, I'm just going to throw that out there. And you, the viewers, wherever you're at, you could judge these TCA, the Classical Academy, parents from Colorado Springs if you really want to. So, there you go. But doesn't matter. With 2 minutes, 35 seconds, the game gets going again. Sam is sacked. There's just absolutely no blocking on the line. This is literally the play right after Donovan lays out that kid. Um, and he just gets sacked and the clock still goes. TCA they hurry to the line they throw a little swing route to Jake Jennings a junior he catches the ball and then out of nowhere like I don't know if he was flinching or what but he bobbles it um he gets lit up by the defender in front of him I think it was Donovan one more time or one of the boys maybe it was one of the Gastic brothers but regardless Severance absolutely nails this kid as he is mid bobble with the ball for some reason and they go ahead and force the fumble they recover it and severance runs out this clock and wins 37 to 21 in a dominant win over tca in their house so there you go good dub for severance um first off let me let me give them some credit here they followed the game plan that I said last week. If you listen to that episode and listen to what I had to say about Severance versus TCA, they followed the game plan that I laid out for them. That I said if they were going to win, they have to do these things. One of them, scoring on defense. The other one, key in on Cade Palmer. Forced a pass here. 
Uh, and that's what they did. And then the other one was more offensively. You have to play a cleaner game here. I was talking about Nolan Hertzke. I said he has to pass the ball efficiently. He can't be missing too many, um, you know, passes. And honestly, he played pretty well here. Just looking at his stat line, he was 10 of 12 for 164 passing yards. Only one interception, so that's one of the incompletions. But he had an 83% completion rating. Even the sophomore quarterback that they brought in to split snaps didn't do too bad. He was 7 of 12 for 143 passing yards. Uh, you know, only 58%, but that's not too bad. That's still over 55. And then he threw a touchdown and did, though, that interception. So I would say if I had to nitpick, you know, those two interceptions could have been game-changing. But, you know, the Severns defense stood strong and helped out this team a lot. They didn't allow, uh, I don't think they allowed a score on either of those. And, you know, this Severns team just played really well, holding this TCA offense to really 14 points because Segovia had that um, kick return touchdown. So there you go. And then one of those scores was because Cade Palmer, he just got outside and was gone for 70 yards. So altogether, if you're Severns, you are very proud of this defensive performance. It was a championship level winning defensive performance. I'm very happy in saying that. And then offensively, you just controlled the ball. I said if Severance wants to win, they have to get up early and force TCA to throw because they haven't put their quarterback, Sam, in a good position all year long. And go ahead. I Okay, I'm not even going to lie. Before recording this episode, and this is going to be longer than last week's anyway, but before recording this episode, I legitimately thought of finding every audio excerpt from the preseason to midseason to a couple weeks ago after the regular season ended to last week of me saying TCA needs to get Sam comfortable passing the ball because when they play good defenses, they're going to key in on Kate Palmer, take him away best they could. And especially if they're up, they want you to run the ball so that you use up your own clock. And, you know, you never want to do that. You want to have an efficient passing offense. And despite TCA playing a cupcake schedule, like truly a cupcake schedule, because most of the seniors on a lot of these other teams in their league graduated last year, they could not give Sam more reps on offense. Not handing off the ball. Anybody could hand off the freaking ball, but I mean passing the ball. They did not do him any good there, and they probably ruined his high school career, if I'm being completely honest with you. Like I said, they had plenty of games where they could have passed early on and then run the ball later, but they don't. They just don't. You know, they lean too heavily on Kate Palmer, just like they did in state. They lost the same way in this playoffs, basically just like they did in state, minus them blowing the two-score lead that they had. And so let me go ahead and actually read off his past attempts of this season. Um, and by the way, TCA won by 40-plus pretty much every game this season. The one game they didn't win by 40-plus um, is probably actually that Alamosa game at the beginning of the season and then the Northfield game they only beat them 42 to 6 only beat them 42 to 6 but let me go ahead and talk about his attempts here Sam's attempts throughout the season so he had 11 attempts 9 attempts 15 attempts 11 attempts again 18 attempts against Lamar who they blew out 70 to 13 um, against Wilden Park, 11 attempts. Pagosa Springs, 14 attempts. Manitou Springs, 6 attempts. 
Northfield last week, 8 attempts. And then finally, this game, 15 attempts. I did say in the preview, if TCA wants to go back to state and eventually win state, he needs to be having at least 20 passing attempts a game. And I already know, TCA, you know, their coaching staff's probably like, well, he wasn't ready. Yeah, no, he wasn't ready. Of course he wasn't ready. But you should have got him ready. Sam's not a bad quarterback. Some people, I feel like, act like he's a horrible quarterback and he's just a game manager. No. If you develop him the right way, he could be an elite quarterback in Colorado. He could have been an elite quarterback in Colorado. You know, he threw for 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, and only 118 attempts. You know, so that's not bad. That's not bad at all. And considering TCA has legitimately like a number one receiving option in Segovia, a number two guy in uh, Aaron Johnson, a number three guy in their, um, oh my gosh, it's like Chase Keller or something like that. And then you have Cade Palmer who can catch out the backfield. He has weapons too. And you're underutilizing all of them. Segovia only had like 200 or 300 receiving yards this season. He should have had at least 500 to 700 receiving yards, to be honest with you. He's a speedster. So you underutilized him too. And so TCA, I guess lack of IQ coaching-wise, is why they found themselves in this position when they're down 16-0 or whatever to Severance. And all they could do is run the ball with Cade Palmer on every down because they don't trust their quarterback to throw the ball. And when he did throw the ball, he didn't look great. And it's obvious he didn't look great because he's probably not taking a lot of snaps or reps in practice passing the ball and hasn't taken over 20 pass attempts in any game this season. And so to ask him to pass... Your way out of this deficit that you built, by the way, because you played sloppily to begin with, is not fair to him. Because TCA has the worst philosophy. Like, you're asking your quarterback to do too much. You're putting him in a position to not succeed more so than to succeed. Is straight facts. You know, you're just, it's just not a good formula at all. And it showed. Like I said, I could pull up the receipts. I called it. I called exactly how TCA was going to lose at the beginning of this season. I did. And you know what? I would consider myself better than those coaches over there. And with that being said, I am going to go ahead and actually call for the jobs of those coaches there. This was an embarrassment. No offense to Severance. They're a, by the way, they're only a third-year program. So for them to be better coached than you, TCA... Who has all the talent in the world, despite being in the middle of Palmer Ridge and Pine Creek and having everyone in between, but you having so much talent and being able, and I know this because I went to TCA, when y'all were on the 3A level, y'all were able to go to the quarterfinals, semifinals on the 3A level, and you chose to move down to the 2A level only to finish the same way? That's an embarrassment. And for this to happen to a third-year program, a third-year program, none of these players have played together for more than three years on the high school level? What are you doing? That is horrible. And I look, no offense to Severance, you know. Uh, actually, to Severance, they're very well coached. They have players who know the role really well, which is why they play so well. But naturally, as athletes, TCA has more athletes. Not only are they bigger on the line, they have 
faster receivers. They have a star running back who could probably have gotten power five offers if TCA, your coaching staff, actually tried. You still lose basically 37 to 21 in a blowout. And you just play to Severance's game plan so easily. So easily. They set you up and you fell for it. And you knew that your grave was dug in the middle of that second quarter. Or or when uh, freaking Trevin Hole was catching 300 receiving yards over you and just killing you because you were too stubborn to put a safety overhead and bracket him. So you just allowed him to continue to boss your two corners or whatever you had on him over and over again. Like I swear to God, Trevin Hole must have caught like a million 30 yard receptions on third down in this game. This game was just rolling because Trevin Hole was able to convert on third down over and over and over again. When Severance needed a big place, Trevin Hole was there. And you know what? It's no, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from him because obviously he's super talented. But TCA, if you did your research, you would have known that he was super talented. And to double team him. Double team him and Caden Donovan and just see what happens. But don't get beat the same way four quarters in a row. Which is what you did because Trevin Hole made you his... Oh, I didn't even go say what I was going to say there. But he dominated you and he became the principal of TCA the way he was playing over there. He became the head coach of TCA by just destroying your team over and over again. Because he's like that. But you didn't see that on film. And even if you didn't see it on film, you would think after the first three 30-yard receptions and the first three mosses that you would double-team him mid-game. And that would be a mid-game adjustment that you would naturally make. Instead, you allowed him to slowly kill your team's chances, is what you did. And so, look, just TCA, this is a disappointment. I'm going to be honest with you. To all the players there, I do not blame you. You are talented. I know that. If I had your squad right now, we would go to state. Or at least we would make it to the semis instead of having embarrassing losses like this. Severance, they're a good team. Credit to them. But don't get it twisted. You got blown out by them. It shouldn't have been a blown out. It should have been a close game. But your lack of IQ on the coaching side of the ball, your... Inability to win big games. I'm talking to the coaches at TCA, by the way. Their inability to win big games. Their inability to properly prepare their players despite having a stacked roster. Probably one of the most stacked rosters in all of Colorado Springs. And all of Southern Colorado and all of SoCo. You still find a way to lose. And it's because your coaching staff is not good. You're not. You're just not. You made the stupidest coaching decisions throughout this game. The same ones. A lot of the same mistakes that you did in state. And because of that, your team, unfortunately, is not going to state. I'm sure that takes away looks from potential colleges. And obviously, when you do that, you rob your team of scholarship offers. Which is a shame. This team is too good. Not just this year, but every single year. To not be going to state. To not be winning state when you're up. It's a disappointment. It is. You know, and 
honestly, those kids don't deserve the coaching staff over there. And so I'm just going to say what I did with Falcon. You know, that coaching staff needs to be replaced. You need some changes uh, in that coaching staff somewhere. And it's not just me. I've talked to a bunch of alumni, like people I've graduated with, people that have worked with this coaching staff, and we all agree it's time for a change. You're done. You are. You screwed up. You underperform every year. You beat up on bad teams to get kicked out in the second round by a team that had to travel almost three hours to your house. That's a disgrace. How do you lose that game? When, oh, here, when people think, and people in the South or whatever, when football states think about Colorado football, I'm sure coaching staffs and teams like TCA pop up. Inability is what it is. A joke is really what it is. It's a joke. It's a joke. You can't compete um, because you don't have the right people there. And so I'm just going to say that. In my opinion, they need a clean house. You know, if I was to take the TCA coaching job, I would only take it if I could fire everybody and bring in all my new guys. That includes the middle school level as well because I know they do have a feeder program. Because this program is too good to be failing the same way every year. And that's what it is. Go ahead and look at the other podcast episodes. You fail the same way every year. You're not impressive every single year. Uh, You're not as impressive as you should be every single year is what I should say. And you just fail. That's who you are. You fail. With that being said, let me go ahead and talk about Severance versus Brush. Look, I love the story that both of these teams have put together throughout this season they've played hard they take advantage of bad coaching staffs and overconfident teams and they deserve to both be here and probably both of these deserve to be in state but only one can make it to state and so for that i'm gonna go ahead and pick severance to beat brush and go to state but before I, you know, talk about that a little bit more. Don't get it twisted. Brush beat Rez, and they beat Basalt. Both upsets, in in our opinion, honestly. So it wouldn't be too far to say that beating the second-best defense in 2A would be shocking. So the Sevens team needs to play careful. They need to play like, well, they need to play realistic. Like, there's a state bid on the line. A state championship spot on the line here. Um, and so they need to play extremely well, which I don't truly doubt. They're very well coached. You know, uh, if their coaching staff can coach this team up to the point where they can basically shut down the best offense in the state, that is TCA in their house. then I feel like they have the ability to do that against brush. But like I said, don't underestimate them. Unlike TCA, you cannot rely on them shooting themselves in the foot to win this game you got to force the issue you got to dominate this game and i think they can i believe it's in severance too i want to say and so i think they can do it um but you know you got to be the aggressor here you know how bad do you want to go to state is what i want to say how bad do you want to make history as a third year program going to state this will be one of the best storylines not only on the 2a level but in colorado football history I just got to say that. And so know what legacy you want to leave behind here. So that's all I'm going to say here. Brush, um, you know, you cannot expect to come up empty-handed or commit too many turnovers on offense if they want to win this game. They have to play a clean game. You know, they didn't necessarily play the cleanest game against Rez. 
And so in this game against uh, Severance, you have to play a clean game. Because as you can see, they take advantage of mistakes and they capitalize on them. So, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pick Severance to take its first ever trip to state in its third year. Alright, let me go ahead and talk about 1A ball. Um, 1A and 2A, by the way, we'll be playing state over at the is it the Thunderbolt over at CSU Pueblo um, on the same day obviously not at the same time but they're gonna be playing on November 27th we will for sure be there so if you want to meet us uh, feel free to come up to us at any time so there you go we will be at those state championship games but uh, 1A so let's hop into it so uh, Lyman versus North Fork Lyman doing their thing per usual Dominating 46 to 19 over North Fork. Trey Hines, 3 of 3. Perfect passing for 83 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. So that means two of his three passes went for touchdowns. He also had nine carries for 57 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Um, Jeremiah Leeper, no rushing touchdowns, but you know, ran for a cool 23 carries and 209 rushing yards. And then Gabe Shubarth, 14 carries, 111 rushing yards, three. Rushing touchdowns, um, sharing that load with Trey Hines with three touchdowns each as they go ahead and blow out North Fork. And they will be playing the winner of this Ray versus Florence game for a chance to go back to state for their fourth straight time. Speaking of that game, we do have Ray versus Florence. Ray actually making a pretty big statement win, winning by a lot more than most people thought. I think everyone here picked uh, Ray here. I don't think anybody thought it would be this crazy of a game. Ray did beat Florence 36-7. to uh, Their defense dominated, honestly. Tot as a you know unit, in total, they had 9.5 total sacks, 1 interception, and then 1 fumble recovered for a touchdown. And so let me just go down the line here. Brady Collins, he had 2.5 sacks. Samuel, uh, I think it's Messiner. Messiner, I want to say. He had a sack. Tell Wade, he is up for player of the week on the 1A level. Three and a half sacks, 10 total tackles, five tackles for losses. Brian Schoenthal, he had two and a half sacks. Uh, I think it's Ever or Ever, all of us. He had an interception, and then Rice Peterson was the one that recovered that fumble for a touchdown as Ray dominates Florence 36 to 7. And before I talk about this Lyman versus Ray matchup and all the predictions, I'm going to backtrack real quick because in all my excitement, I forgot to give the prediction for Sevens versus Brush for Cody and Mason. And so I'm going to start with Mason. He picked Brush to win. He said, I did not see either of these teams here, um, but let's ride with Brush. They have been playing out of their mind the last couple weeks, upsetting a lot of teams. So he's picking Brush. And then Cody is going to go ahead and pick Severance. He said he's very impressed with Severance's physical win over TCA on the road. So there you go. Okay, back to back to Lyman versus Ray. My bad, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and start with their predictions, actually, to make up for that. So, uh, Mason, he's picking Lyman to win this one. He says, I don't think this will be close. Lyman is dominant. There you go. There you have it. Cody is also going to pick Lyman, and he says, Lyman proves to just be a step above everyone else still. So, there you go. That's 2-0 Lyman. I will go ahead and make it 3-0 Lyman. I feel like we're all agreeing here. But I'm picking Lyman to go back to state. Ray has played teams tough and beat Florence by a lot more than expected. I want to make sure I give them their credit. But Lyman did beat this team 41-0 early in the season. 
That may not be that big of a win this time around, but Lyman as Lyman goes to Ray again, but Lyman has proven to be dominant all season. They're the team to beat, and they will go ahead and punch their way to their fourth straight championship game with the opportunity to potentially win their fourth straight title. Might need to look this up, um, not for this episode, but next episode. Uh, well, okay, the next recap episode to see if any team has four-peated. So there you go. But the last time Lyman didn't go to the state was when they lost to Centauri in 2017. Just going to throw that one out there. But I think Lyman goes back to state here. Let's keep it moving, though. We have Centauri versus Yuma. Um, I think we all thought this would be a close one, but Centauri would win it. Centauri, shockingly, well, not, maybe not shockingly, but they go ahead and shock everyone and destroy Yuma 40-7. to Centauri blows them out, and it's not Mason Clanch who goes crazy, but it's the quarterback for Centauri, Byron Shawcroft, who had a pretty exceptional game. Went 7-20, of 20, but, but he had 102 passing yards, 4 passing touchdowns, no picks. He also ran 6 times for 22 yards and a touchdown. That is worthy of being player of the week for sure. Mason Clonch didn't play bad though. I mean, he was just a little bit more limited. He went uh, for 17 carries, 119 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. He would also recover a fumble out of two on the defensive side of the ball as Centauri takes care of Yuma and has a chance at going to state. Now their opponent would either be Meeker or Buena Vista. And you know what? This was a pretty close game. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick up where this game really, I would say, got interesting at the nine minute mark in the fourth quarter. It was tied 15 to 15 with five minutes left in the fourth. This Buena Vista defense came up huge with a stop on fourth down with Meeker just on the edge of the red zone in Buena Vista territory. So they go ahead and stop them. It's a turnover on downs. Then Buena Vista, they have the ball and they drive to the opposite 16 or sorry, they drive to the 16 and then with 14 seconds left, they would kick a field goal. But Meeker would call a timeout to ice the kicker. This proved to be a big deal as the kicker would miss the field goal. And this game would go into overtime tied at 15-15. Now in overtime, Buena Vista would get the ball first on offense. Hayden Camp would go ahead and score a 7-yard rushing touchdown. Then on defense, comes down to defense here. Seth Moss, linebacker for Buena Vista, will get the game-winning interception in the end zone and win this game in a thriller in an absolutely, like, classic game here. Uh, but Buena Vista comes up big, winning 22-15 to here, which was pretty huge here. And I want to highlight two players who can be Player of the Week candidates. That is Hayden Camp. He had a solid game, 3 of 8 for 28 passing yards and only one passing touchdown. But he also ran 18 times for 96 passing yards, and, or sorry, rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. He also got a pretty big sack on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Seth Moss, the guy who got the game-winning interception, he also snagged two interceptions in this game, so he had one earlier. Also had 11 total tackles. And then I just want to briefly mention Jacob Phelps here. He had 20 carries and 137 rushing yards as Buena Vista beats Meeker in a big thriller of a game to go ahead and face Centauri for a chance to go to state. 
And so here we go. We got predictions here. I'm going to go ahead and read off the last predictions for Mason and Cody. Uh, by the way, Anthony Garcia, we will have his predictions. Uh, from He's from Mile High Prep Report, by the way. But we will have his predictions for 1A and 2A. We will post on our social medias whenever they're up. So be on the lookout for that. But let me go ahead and talk predictions here. So Mason is going to pick Centauri. He said Buenavista is good. But Centauri is stout and will win in what I think will be a close game. Cody will actually go ahead and pick Centauri. He says going with my gut on this one, but uh, Buena Vista has proven me wrong before. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again. And then I am actually going to pick Buena Vista. And here's why this BV defense held Kelton Turner to 153 rushing yards on 31 carries and no touchdowns. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty solid performance, I would say. When they tried to throw the ball, Seth Moss did step up with two big interceptions. One to uh, shut this whole game down, by the way. Uh, so, there you go. And Buena Vista, they'll be facing a pretty dominant Centauri squad. I acknowledge that. Um, who has been just thrashing every team in their way so far in the playoffs and, you know, in the regular season. But I think this defense needs to give Mason Clonch the Kelton Turner treatment and force them to pass. If they do that, Buena Vista still has Tucker Storms at safety, who's a heck of an athlete who can make a lot of plays if given the opportunity. And honestly, I'm going to rock with Buena Vista because I've rocked with them since the preseason. And I have faith in them right here, right now. I think Buena Vista wins a close one. If their defense plays well and Hayden Camp has a championship-worthy performance like last week, I'm going to pick Buena Vista to win this one so there you go those are all of our predictions and a recap of last week coming up next i'm gonna talk player of the week just real quick all right so for player of the week on the 5a level i have senior legend running back Bryce Vaz, he had 29 carries, 150 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns in that 28-14 dub over Rock Canyon. So there you go. For 4A, there are a lot of people here, but I'm going to have to go with the senior Fountain Fort Carson cornerback, Curtis Jackson. He had an interception, a fumble, uh, fumble recovery, which he returned 50 yards for a touchdown. Also notched a rushing touchdown at the end of the game. And then all game, he was just playing fantastic coverage on his guy, forcing Jazel Riley to look the other way. And so I'm going to go ahead and give this one to Curtis Jackson from Fountain Fort Carson. On the 3A level, I'm going to give it to senior Holy Family athlete Jacob Lover. In this game, he had 21 carries, 218 rushing yards, 3 rushing touchdowns, 1 reception for 21 yards in a pretty big playoff dub against Pueblo South. On the 2A level, there were two sevens players I was considering, including Caden Donovan, who obviously made a lot of big plays in that game. But I'm going to have to give it to senior sevens receiver Trevin Hole. He had eight receptions, 234 receiving yards. Uh, defensively, he also had six total tackles, two tackles for losses, and a forced fumble. He was unguardable in that game. Uh, so there you go. And then on the 1A level, I'm going to give it actually to senior Buena Vista linebacker Seth Moss. He had two interceptions and 11 total tackles in that game, including the game-winning interception. So there you go. Those are your players of the week. And hey, that wraps up this episode, episode 83 
of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Thank you so much for rocking with us. I know that was a long one. I know I had a rant in the middle. Maybe you just skipped to the end just to figure out who your players of the week were. But thank you so much for rocking with us. That was your Week 12 2021 Colorado season recap there. Uh, So we are going to obviously cover games this week. And then next week, we are going to go to the 1A and 2A state championship games. And then the plan is moving forward that I, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, will go to the 3A state championship game while Cody and Mason go to the 4A and 5A state championship games. So there you go. But once again, thank you so much for rocking with us. Go ahead and follow us on our social media. Show us some love there. That's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, at Playmakers Corner. We'll be posting some stuff there. And then this Friday... Be on the lookout for this next top five seniors class of uh, 2022 list here that we have. Uh, I think we're going to do tight ends, actually. So there's some pretty good talent here. Colorado was known for tight ends last year and similarly this year. But yeah, until then, we'll see you later.